And we're back. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And this is the Grizz Fan Podcast. So uh, we're here. So there's that, right? There was a football game this Saturday. Yeah, Luke, I really, um, I said you ruined my day last week, and, and clearly this is all your fault. Because if I had picked, if I had stuck to my The Grizz have to prove it, they would have proved it. Everything would have worked out, but the superstitions, you made we're, me switch. We're not in the they parallel. Lost. We're not in the parallel universe <laughs> where we had a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we we the weird thing is we did have a great weekend outside of the game. There was a there was a short period about about two and a half hours of our weekend that was pretty bad. <laughs> The good thing was that it was so out of hand so early that in the middle of the third quarter, we really just accepted it and then cooled off. So by the time we left the stadium, I'm not going to say it was over it, but I just wanted nice cat fans to give me beers in their tailgates. And they did. And they did. Okay, well, that's good. At least. You know, actually, at halftime, um, I really could have used a little more environmental consciousness from the MSU students. Did you see the Harvard-Yale game this weekend? Um, oh, I heard about I this. I heard about this. There was a sit-in protesting climate issues, broke out on the field, just these environmentally conscious Ivy Leaguers uh, did a sit-in, delaying the game for untold amounts of time. It was over an hour, I think. Holy they crap. They arrested like over 30 people. And, and that stadium did not have lights. And so they like finished the game at like dusk <laughs> in retrospect we could have used a little environmental consciousness <laughs> from the msu students <laughs> give our defense a break to catch yeah. their breath <sighs> <sighs> well mike what are your impressions i mean what were your impressions uh before the game like like oh, did you like the atmosphere the atmosphere well i will say you know every time i've gone to bozeman for the game I've actually had pretty decent experiences. We had fun the night before. Um, tailgating was great. Cat fans were cautiously optimistic. Grizz fans were... <laughs> overconfident. Overconfident. Yeah. <laughs> which I hope we just all take a lesson from this. Uh, Luke. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I, I thought we were going to win. Like... Even like at the opening kickoff, you're like, they're, they look pumped. This is a great atmosphere. They're ready. And then Flowers should have never taken that kick out of the end zone. Yeah. You know? Like you said, the pregame is awesome. It's a rivalry game. MSU, they have, you know, in, intelligent football fans. They understand what the moment means. It's loud. Like they charge out these horses. You know, at like what seems like a hundred miles an hour, there's this flyover. Um, it was an awesome atmosphere. It was. A I real- mean, obviously, like the atmosphere for the for the Brawl of the Wild is great in both stadiums every year, but it was. I mean, it was awesome. But I just, it felt like that there was an early tidal wave that we never recovered from, and like you said, starts with the kickoff. Well, I mean, the kickoff brings it out of the end zone. Get stopped at what the 15, 14 ish, yeah. 
you know, whereas like if he just downed in there, it would have had twenty five. Twenty five, right? yeah, yeah. So it's like, I, you know, strike your, one, what's your stri- strike one, and then somehow, and I still don't understand that this happened, and I feel like it was the ref's fault because the Grizzlies got a delay of game on the first play before the first play, and like, it's not like the Grizz sat there on the sidelines and waited to come in. I mean, yeah. the play ended. The refs set the ball. The Grizz offense ran in. And got a delay a game. Could you what tell on TV? No, like... no, on TV it was – they just it, they just were commenting on how incredibly strange it was for an offense to get a delay a game on the very first snap that they had. Like, they were just like, how do you do this? How does this happen? You, and I think it was a little bit of, you know, you got to pay more attention. But this is, you know, guys up in the box, you know, in the broadcaster box just – Chatting. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, there wasn't like, oh, they didn't go back and say, oh, look, the, the clock started on the tackle or they didn't set the, or didn't, nothing. There was no. It's just weird. But so then well, here we are. First so and there's 15. strike two. Yep. Strike first, two. First and 15 on like the nine. And so I imagine in most cases we probably would have started with a running play, but, you know, it's hard to run on first and 15. So they throw the ball out to Torre on some sort of wide receiver screen. He gets leveled, or yeah. he, he actually picks up a few yards. Yeah. yeah, he got six or seven yards. But and then he fumbled. Fumbled. He fumbled. So no. two consecutive offensive snaps against the Cats with terrible fumbles. And that is essentially our third and final strike. Yeah, and we don't have another out. No, like <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, like that was it. That's it. That, that just. Yeah, it and was it was like the opposite of the Weber game the week before. Yep. It, funny because that's like the exact thought I had. It's like you can't do this. We can't give them the short field. And then MSU like fumbles the ball three times on that drive, and it bounces into their hands every time they score a touchdown. And it was just like holy crap, this could not, this might not be our day. And yeah, like the fumbles, the first fumble that Johnson had, like three Grizz land on the ball, but they I don't think they realized the ball's out and it, like. Shoots out kind of behind him, and a cat defender picks it up. And then the second fumble, I can't remember who it is doing the end around, but he gets hit, and it just falls right into the hands of another cat sitting on the ground. Like, it just fell into his hand. We thought it was a lateral on TV. We're like, that's a forward pass. And then you watch. It's like, oh, he fumbled. And then, yeah, and then next play is a double reverse or or just a reverse and touchdown. All those fumbles, I think, are sort of evidence of something we already know. Emotions are high. Adrenaline's running. People are amped and they're not taking care of the ball. It happens on both sides. Sure. The Grizzlies just happened to lose their fumble and the Cats recovered all of theirs. Got theirs. Yeah. <sighs> Didn't they, they, the Cats had another fumble later in the game, too. I think they had three that they put on the ground and they got all three back. Um, I mean, it's way Rovig, when they did that pass to Rovig, <clears throat> got leveled and fumbled, but it went out of bounds. Nah, that's right. That's what it was. Yeah, it went right out of bounds. So yeah. the Grizz punt, nope. shank the punt. Oh, you're talking next possession now. Well, get the ball back after down seven. Yeah, they get sorry. Yeah, they get the <laughs> yes. ball back after down seven. Okay. Yeah, three and out. The Grizz punt. <laughs> it was a terrible punt, but really the punter had to rush it because it almost got blocked. Yeah, yeah. there's a guy zooming in from his right side. Yeah, and frankly, that happened again later in the game, and it's like, are we not going to adjust for this? Like, because clearly it was impacting Wilson. Yeah. So anyway, they go down and score again. And at this point, I mean, it is the momentum is 
purely in the hands of MSU. Yeah. The stadium is still loud. So we they, can't get anything going. Grizz hold them to a field goal, and it's like, all right, we got to do something here. Well, they don't. And then Logan Jones scored an 18-yard touchdown, 17 to nothing. How many first downs did the Grizz have when the score was 17 to nothing? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero first downs. We didn't even have a first down. Yeah. We didn't even have a rushing attempt at this point in the game. Holy crap. You're no, right. We didn't. I mean I, I can you guys talk to me about that a little bit? Like, did is our offense so much RPO that you're just going to pass all the time? Is it it couldn't have been in the scheme not to try to establish the run, right? Couldn't have been. No, because even when we're not running it. Bobby and company run it to set up the pass. Yeah, like yeah. they make the defense. So I don't know if it's just like the fumble just changed things and then they didn't get it. They just couldn't get anything going. So they kind of got out of their rhythm a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm considering whether or not MSU did such a good job um, camouflaging their coverage that they bluffed Dalton into. Um, calling passes you know and like they're showing run defense but mm-hmm. they're secretly defending the pass do you think that's i mean i think it's possible because i mean that would make more sense than some of the some of the some of the routes that they called and he had to sit there and wait for them to develop in a pocket where he the o line was was getting quite a bit of pushback from <laughs> the cat d line they didn't make sense i mean that that could very well be Deep down, I'm engineering that um, reason because I really want, I really want it to be that because that means Dalton can learn from that kind of mistake. If it's something else, if it's just like we had a bad game plan or we're not good enough against teams of this caliber, then uh, it makes me really depressed for a deep playoff run. Yeah, but maybe he can learn. Maybe the cats give him some things to study, and he's like, oh, well, you know, if I see this again, I can recognize it. You know, I think, I mean, there's probably a lot of truth in what you're saying, and, I mean, yes and no. Um, I think that we probably need to keep in mind that we're never as high as our biggest high, and we're never as low as our biggest low. Like, this was a bad game, and things snowballed. Also, maybe a uniquely crappy matchup. I mean, I've got lots of thoughts on how we played the run, but, I mean, let's stick with the offense for a second here. I mean, Sneed lost his shoe at yep. one point early. Early, yeah. And um, an observation kind of Brent made was he he didn't seem like he could plant on his leg after that as much. Yeah, and that was when he that play he lost the shoe. It was a third down, and the pocket had collapsed, and he stepped up into it, and some, yeah, shoe gets pulled off. He had a first down with his feet. Mm-hmm. But he stops, plants, throws, and <clears throat> I can't remember if that was one where it was just an overthrow, if that was one where the Roberts had the catch that turned into a drop and then wound up. I can't remember. But um, from there, for quite some time, then Dalton was uncomfortable, much more uncomfortable in the pocket. And um, I don't know that that's that bad ankle, right? That was the shoe that that he lost it on. So um, it just it seemed like all everything was just going wrong. Well, I think that. I think we can all agree that since since Dalton came back in the middle of the Idaho game, he hasn't been the running threat, which to no one's surprise. I mean, you get a high ankle sprain, and I don't think that you're going to be healthy completely again the rest of the year. Right. Like, you, you're you playing, but you're not 
You're not the same. Because there were several times, especially in the first half, where it felt like healthy Dalton would have taken off and gotten a first down, and he just didn't have the push off to do it. Like, even when he did try and run, like, he got caught. And I don't think that was all just the cat defense being faster than any defense we played all year or anything like that. I think that clearly he was hurt. Is he still our best option? I'm sure he is. But I think that there were a couple things. The cats knew it. They watched film, and I think they knew that he wasn't the run threat he normally was. So I feel like they they cheated a little bit and that they didn't have to key on him as much, Mm. which allowed them to maybe leave the linebackers back a little bit, which confused the passing game. But the other thing that was completely evident to me in the stadium, and, and you guys might have a different take or you might have the same one, was the Cats had zero respect, zero respect for the possibility that Sneed and the Grizzlies might throw the ball deep. Mm. They were they were willing to to take hmm. let them take those shots, but they weren't there. Like I think that they really just kind of recognized that when Sneed isn't one hundred percent with all his athletic tools. He's not nearly the same quarterback. And that's not a knock on him because that would probably be true for anybody. But it's clear that if you take away the running part of Snead's game, it exposes some of his his areas of the passing game where he's mm-hmm. not the same level of a threat. And again, like he's such a threat to run, like you that's not I'm not trying to knock him, but I think that that happened. I think that could be possible. Um No, and, that's that's what happened, Luke. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> okay, we're um, on there. It, you know, if I had the ability, you know, if we had the ability to go back through and watch, you know, actual game film, I still not might be able to <laughs> diagnose this. But I, you know, I kind of wonder if the Cats did a really good job of taking um, Torre away, and I wonder if when you're down seventeen zero so quickly, it kind of takes a couple dimensions of your offense away. And I think any quarterback isn't as good when the defense knows that they, they're not going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Or maybe early on, they're not going to do X. So your your defensive calls are going to be probably more right. And then as the game progresses, right, and there's less time on the clock, you're like, well, they're not going to do X and Y. And the game yeah. progresses further, and they're like, well, they're not going to do X, Y, and Z. Right? And, like, it just gets becomes harder and harder for any quarterback – to look good, and I, I think that's also oh yeah a factor yeah. It, as well as what I think maybe you you know hit on, and I think I think you guys are both right, and I think the other aspect to it as well too was this was the first game I think where the defense was able to just say Mitch Roberts is not going to be us over the top, mm-hmm. Jerry Louis McGee is going to. We can keep him in front of us, and he is not going to get us over the top. So we're going to take Samore away. And I think, wasn't the interception, the Conkle interception, wasn't that going to Samore? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. there was like four guys. And that was, was just, yeah, the game just right was over. There. Dalton was yeah. like, I'm just going to throw it and make a play. I don't care. We'll just see what happens. You know, whatever. But um, it looked like to me, watching a little bit on TV, not being at the game, so you didn't get the full picture, but it seemed like it was – we realize if we take Samore away, we have taken away so much of this pass offense yep. that's going to stretch the field. Like, we'll give Mitch, we'll give 
Jerry these five, eight, tens because they're not going to get it the whole way down the field. And, and it worked just fine. Yep. So there was that too. And there was a specific play where probably Dalton's best throw where he got hit in the chest and it falling backwards and throws it mm-hmm. and it hits Roberts in the fingertips and he doesn't catch it. Yep. And that's a, that's an account touchdown. That that's back. a true yep. touchdown. Yep. And it's not knocking Mitch. Like I think Mitch, Mitch's next two years here are going to be great. great. Like there's amazing potential from the guy, but he's just, he's not a Cam and Toure and the cats just, <clears throat> they they knew there was one guy they needed to guard in the past game and it wasn't those guys. Yeah, no, exactly. Guard, and like, it's like yeah, takeaway, I should say, not the, guard. But. Them 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 focusing on Teray really balances out what I was saying about Snead because it's not all on him. Like that they just they, I think you're right. They just knew that if they, they keyed on Teray, we didn't have a cam. We really missed a cam this game just because they bounce each other out. Yeah. And it, it's a little bit of a different ball game. But well, and that was the thing, it's like they're able to <clears throat> Take Ture away. And up until, I mean, the Idaho game, it was like, okay, we'll just we'll go to Sammy. <laughs> and now that just wasn't there. And yep. so, uh, yeah. And then, of course, what, the the run game wasn't going? Less than two yards per rush. And, yeah. God, well, when you're not stopping the cat offense at all, <laughs> and you're down 17-0 immediately – it kind of takes away uh, that twenty four zero, yeah, <laughs> to want to like run the ball a shit ton, right? Yeah, like, yeah. a crap ton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We heard that's the PG thirteen. We heard that's okay. Swear we jar. Got the, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say on offense. I mean, Knight quietly had a good game. 14 for two more 77, two more touchdowns. Seven yards. Yeah. But when you're losing 17 oh before you can even try and get your offense going, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, I mean, I think we've been talking so much about we're a, we're a second-half team, we're a second-half team. We're down 17-0 to Idaho State, but the Cats aren't Idaho State. And, you know, we're down 21-17, wasn't it, to Portland State at the half. And we, we put ourselves in these holes – and it was just kind of one of these things where it's like, this is going to catch up to you because you're going to get a good team and they're going to kick your ass because it's going to be something where it's 17-0, then it's 24-0, and then it's you know 31-14 and 41-14. And it's like you just it's, – it's something that good teams build on where teams like Idaho State and Portland State probably just didn't really believe that lead. Like, oh, you know, we're hanging on. Oh, here we go. We got this little thing going. And we just knew we were going to come back. But it's like – we played a team that was just absolutely in all facets more prepared and, and knew if they had that lead in that position that they they weren't there by some dumb fluke of luck, and they just kept putting it to us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Anything else to say on offense? I mean, we, we've um, lost more time about the game. But... Uh, you know, I did think that going into halftime, I thought <sighs> – you know, it's going to be difficult because our defense is eventually going to get gassed. They'd played a, they played, they were on the field oh. a lot in the first half. Yeah. But I, I thought we'd, we'd manufactured some offense. It felt like Sneed started hitting some passes, some hit, hitting some receivers. He a, and he was fired up. Like I was, was watching him on the sideline. The first touchdown. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, no, right. keep going. Yeah. Go ahead. But I mean, that's you saw on TV that because the catch Deming had, like right over the fingertips of the mm-hmm. defenders, it got down to like about the four or five. Yep. And Sneed was just, 
I mean, the camera cuts to him, and it's like that. And it was suddenly it was like, oh, you know, we got something going. Like, yeah, here we they go. have a few flashes of like yeah. running it the way it should run. So it's like yeah. you feel like if they if this happened again, <laughs> now having had that experience, would it turn out differently? Probably, maybe, but. yeah. But I, I saw those flashes, you know, and Sneed started getting a little moxie. Yeah, and like you know, he's he's after that touchdown, he's uh, hyping up the special teams and the kickoff and stuff. And I'm like, okay, we got this. And you know, the half ends, and I'm sitting there with Mike, and I'm like, you know, if we can come out and force a punt and then score on that first drive, you know, and then get another Different stop ball, yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. I was like, we're, a, we're we have been a second half team and it will be tough cuz our defense is only getting more tired, but I'm like we could still make this like what we think of as a hard-fought Cat Grizz game. And sure as heck, like we come out and force a couple punts, but we just can't. Couldn't do anything. We couldn't do anything. Nope. nope. And really <laughs> like with about five minutes gone in the third quarter after, you know, we can't get anything going, it became pretty apparent to me that there just wasn't enough time on the clock to to win this game. Yeah, after those first two drives in the third quarter when we caused, you know, they didn't score. Yeah. Just a huge improvement over the first half. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we couldn't do anything. It was just like... Yeah, and then I think mentally it's like the defense just knew they were defeated. And I don't think they gave up. I'm not saying that at all, but it's like if you are getting crushed and you guys go out there and you make a stop and give it back to the offense and they can't do anything, and then you make another stop and they still can't do anything, it's like at some point you get defeated. Yeah. You know, like and you're mentally, you're already exhausted. Your adrenaline's gone. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it... it it just kind of put it on that. In the second half, MSU was just able to – we haven't talked much deep, but, I mean, it didn't matter that they weren't getting points. They were just taking time off the clock. I think you look at our – we had the ball for four minutes in the third quarter and five minutes in the fourth. Like, we just – I was sitting there at halftime, and so we had six – we had – we have six possessions, six possessions in less than ten minutes of clock time. We had five possessions. Five possessions. I mean, so it's just like... All second half, five possessions. It's like just expertly played into the hand of we have... We've we've got a lead. We know that we're going to get four, five, six, seven yards per carry now. And if we make a little mistake, like they'd drop back for a pass and Rovica gets sacked or something. Okay, you know, whatever. We'll run a couple more times, punt it away. But we know your offense is ice cold. And... We've got them completely rattled. Yeah, and, and, and we're gonna drop and in, into a cover four. Yeah, and like, good luck. You're not keep gonna keep everything in front of us, and it's gonna take you six minutes to score. A touchdown. Yeah, you're not gonna have an eighty yard touchdown strike. You're gonna go six minutes and maybe try a field goal or cross midfield and go for it on fourth and not get it or something like that. And it's like whatever. Good, yeah, good luck. And played right in the hand. I mean, perfect game plan by MSU. Perfect game plan and perfect, perfect. execution. I mean, like everything yes. went their way. It did. And, and and a lot of that's preparation. I'm not there. There, like they. I mean, they kicked the grizz ass. We like had there a, is no. We had the perfect game plan the week before at Weber. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like it's, it's just sometimes it just it all comes into place and it absolutely did for for the Bobcats. But it's one of those things where it's like even sitting here talking about it and <clears throat> rereading the stats and. Um, I was still in Bozeman Sunday morning, so thankfully James didn't want to rewatch the game this week. <laughs> um, so I haven't. <laughs> but uh, you're not missing much. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I figure. Um, 
it's one of those things where it's like, and we we used this once before in the sack game, and those are also our two biggest losses of the year, you know, and we got exposed, and there's a lot still to talk about. But you were also kind of watching it thinking like, it would be very hard for a team to do this again. Like, they things went so right for the Cats, who three weeks ago scored 14 points against North Dakota. Yeah. You know, it's like, there are so many factors that go into this, and one of them is, like, Choate clearly, clearly understands how to motivate his guys for this game. Like, he clearly, and it's he doesn't get them overhyped, or he's able to harness their overhype to but it's like they it's impressive yeah oh yeah yeah i mean he's <laughs> i think i tweeted it, he's like the grizzlayer like yeah. i mean they play their absolute best football games against us it they, doesn't matter that they won the previous three because those I, were fluky i actually don't even think if they won eight straight and Choate's the head coach, I think he's still going to be able to convince those guys mm-hmm. that they're the underdogs in this matchup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, You're right. And it's like, I mean, I don't, it'll be interesting to see what people's attitudes are going into it next year. But I just, I mean, until these guys prove that they can beat them, <laughs> like, my God. But it's like the last three have been, you know. And that's, yeah. Different levels of like, could have gone either way, da 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 da, flu. This year, like holy cow, there. This is either the second most, second largest margin of victory for cats over the Grizz, or the tied for the most. I can't mm, remember. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is up there. Yeah. But it's like in this four-game winning streak, they're averaging like 325 yards of rushing a game against the Grizz. Like that's insane. They haven't thrown a touchdown pass. Yeah. <laughs> against us. I mean, <laughs> over this four-game streak. Yeah. I mean, it's working. I I just don't understand how a defense like ours, that, that was an objectively good defense in the Big Sky Conference across the nation. You know, we, we had bona fides against legitimate teams with a, a hard schedule. How we can get suckered into giving them 325 points. Well, or 325 points. Yards. Well, it was like three. It was, well, we gave up more this we, year. We gave up three hundred and eighty-two. Eighty-two. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, Brent, you can take a stab at this, but I, I think it's a, it's just a, a building on what I think the Grizz defense has struggled with all year, and that is a mobile QB. And the Cats, obviously, this was not a mobile QB, but it was like mobile system, mobile system, <laughs> where it's like. They're running the ball out of the backfield, but they're patient and they're waiting, and you don't know what they're going to do with it. And the Grizz struggled completely. Yeah. And and Brent, I would like your take on that, but then I've definitely got some more thoughts on it. And this, because there's there's kind of an interesting aspect because as kind of revealed, uh, Troy Anderson didn't play, and I believe there was some post game speculation from some of the Grizzly side of the ball that there was a lot of preparation for Troy Anderson. And I know we've got a question on it as well, too, from one of the fan questions. But what the Cats did, what Anderson Anderson is just a power guy. But what the Cats, what their offense mostly did was, was stretch the sidelines, go side to side. And at least early and often. And it made the defense chase left and right and left and right and left and right. I mean, Dante and Dante had what, 16, 17, 18 tackles? 18, 18, and Jace had 13. I mean, um, but they made us 
chase him and completely wear down. And then the Grizzly defense just is a little too over-aggressive. And especially with a lot of this, we, we just saw too much bad lanes, bad angles, things like that. All right. Hey, quick quick break here. Uh, you notice James didn't do the intro. It's because he was at the uh, men's basketball game tonight. Did they win? Yes. Who'd they play? Texas Southern. What was the score? 74 to 62 Montana. All right. Hey, good news, right? Hey. We're in the win column. We're in the win column. Better than last Monday night. Got that dub. So, James, do you think the Grizz won? Because you went with one grandpa tonight and a different grandpa last week, right? Do you think maybe that's the factor? The, the the grandpa factor? Do you think or you got to go with Grandpa Tom for all the games for the grandpa, to win? Grandpa Tom's the good luck charm? The other one was for the ladies. Oh, you went with Grandpa Jim the lady game. Yeah, you went with Grandpa Tom to this one last week. Oh, okay. I thought okay. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, James, one question for me is, did you happen to watch the 49er game last night? Yes. What was that like? Um, the 49ers won 8-37. to 37. Who were you feeling bad for the whole game? Green Bay Packers. <laughs> who's the biggest Green Bay Packers fan you know? Brent. <laughs> yeah. I, to James's credit, you may have seen me trolling Brent on Twitter all night. James legitimately felt bad for Brent. <laughs> as, a, as a complete child when it comes to Packers football, <clears throat> I... Uh, yeah, I, I I opened myself up for all the trolling last night because I f- fell off the deep end. <laughs> Anyone who follows me on Twitter, I rage quit at halftime. <laughs> I love it. Hey, James, do you have any observations about the Grizzly football team from this weekend? Hey. Well, even though they lost to Montana State, we get a bye week. Hey, yeah. Right. Hey, that's a glasses half full take. I needed that. Yeah. Thank you, James. I like it. I like that. Do you think? Uh, do you think the playoff game will be fun in two weeks? Yeah, I think they're going to be the champions. Hey, <laughs> you heard it here first. Hey, <laughs> hey, James. Um, so it's Thanksgiving's coming up, right? Yeah. What is your favorite Thanksgiving yeah. dessert? Um, pumpkin pie. Perfect. That's a good answer. Pumpkin Ooh, pie. Pumpkin pie. Hey. All right, but hey, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> well, that was fun having James come in. <laughs> I still think starting our show out with him is like maybe the cutest thing I hear every week. It Some, was f- someone in Egress thought he was your kid. Well, who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Stacy's out of town this week, so she might not hear this one. Um, uh, he on the he was cute because his grandpa swung by a little before the game to pick him up and he, he you know it's like Stacy and her mom and our daughter are all in Arizona so Grandpa Tom is a bachelor I'm a single dad you know so it's like he's, he's like so where are you recording your podcast here I was like yeah we'll be here and then James turns around and he's like so I don't get to do the intro because I'm gonna be at the game and I was like yeah but we'll let you say hi he's like, okay okay. <laughs> Wanted to make sure he still got airtime. <laughs> He's awesome. I love that kid. Okay, so right. we were talking before about Grizz defense. Grizz defense. Um, how maybe some of the MSU uh, left to right action, their f- version of the fly sweep or the sweep, 
um, quarterback running the ball maybe causes or forces defenses to take bad angles or to get sucked up a little too far, and then they can't see exactly where the ball's going. Do you think? Well, I mean, it did with ours, and but our. This has been something that's been a challenge with our safeties for a couple of years, if not further back, right? Like we haven't. How many years has Sandy been starting? <laughs> this is for third or fourth year, I believe. But four years. Um, but yeah, so it was. I mean, that the first cat touchdown was a reverse, and. I believe it was Sandry. Like that's that's the that's the side of the field you got to defend, and it's it cutting in on the angle and the whole. And it, it's tough to say if he would have stayed outside and forced Cassis or whoever it was back in, if they they would have been able to make a stop. But still, it's just and you they saw ran it, that and it was so like, many times. How did they not see it? Coming? Right, and they ran it, and it was like it, the fascinating thing was, and you can't just be like, oh, it was just this one guy. So Robertson goes out. And Nash Fouch and Mike McGinnis are kind of inserted into having to play a little bit more. Uh, but you look at, you go back and having the benefit of watching it on TV, you would notice that a lot of these cat touchdowns came on around the, the early ones, around the edge, like jet sweep, fly sweep, reverses, things like that. And safety last line of defense was appeared on TV to be out of position. And and then there was one, I think it was the last cat touchdown. <laughs> there was like one Grizz safety that just like kind of watched it happen. It's <laughs> just kind of like, F this, I'm done. <laughs> but, uh, uh. you know, but it was like, um, I think what, I think what the cats saw and expertly attacked was an aggressive defense that the Grizz have. And that a lot of our defenders appear to be much better north-south than east-west. And it's like they did enough of that damage where even Dante Olsen in the third quarter is tackling everybody all the time, but he's tackling them after five yards because they're up the field so much. And um, it's, it's funny you mentioned over-aggressiveness because when we had them third and 17, I turned to Luke and I said, hey, you know, there's a history of third and 17 in this game. <laughs> and Luke suggested we just stack everybody at the line and blitz. <laughs> <laughs> Watching on TV, that was the joke that came out in the room there too. It's like, let's blitz these <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Not that it would have made a difference. Um, I was going somewhere and I my joke ruined it. Here's, I'm a little concerned that the cats maybe gave the blueprint on how to beat this they did. this team. I mean, and so we had we had heard at some point in some conversation about like maybe what's what's the unexposed big flaw with this team, and I, I think we saw it because it's like this you know the whole oh nine times out of ten I don't know like if same game plan outside of a pretty dramatic adjustment I like. I feel like a lot of the same stuff would happen. I think, and I think there's some factors too. Like our D line was wrecked by their O line, wrecked, wrecked, and yeah. it's just our D line was playing a redshirt freshman, a senior, and a sophomore for the most part, and then rotating in another freshman, another sophomore. We're just young and small and undersized, and we hit the perfect team that was able to just destroy that yep i mean how talked about how we're a year ahead we're two yeah. years ahead yeah and we've 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 played over ourselves and we got wrapped up in it and 
I, this is still a great season. Nine wins, nine FCS wins, the number six seed. I mean, these are all great things. But where we clearly saw it was on the lines, both offensive and offensive and defensive. We're clearly not where the coaching staff would like us to be. No, but you know, I also wonder, and I can make a counter argument to this too. But are we running the right system? You know, like this mm. three-two-five thing. Yeah, four safeties, two corners, two linebackers, and three D linemen. But the flip side of that is there aren't that many teams in the country that run the three three five, and they're all pretty good against the run. So Cats my, do. Yeah, well, my question to you guys is, why the hell didn't we stack the box or switch to some sort of zone where it was like like you're run like you're guarding against the option and it's like stay in your lanes follow these guys it felt like and Brent you watched it on TV so maybe you have a different perspective it felt to me like we made no changes on our defense when it wasn't working the root sport broadcasters most of the way through the third quarter made that observation too they said i have no idea why they have two safeties 20 yards off the ball and the corners are 10 yards off like what do they think is going to happen? I think was the comment. <laughs> yep. And it's like, we've talked about this all year, but it's like, are they, <clears throat> were they so afraid of our receivers getting burned deep that they couldn't do it? Because it's like, my thought is, it's like, freaking make Tucker Rovick burn you deep. Who cares if he does it? Because you're getting your ass kicked on the running plays anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they almost scored 50 points. Yeah. I wonder if it's, if it's two things. Like, you don't have the personnel... I think that's a I big, think that's a big point big, yeah. to put four four dudes down with their hand in the dirt. Yep, and then you think, man, we're better than this Cats team. Maybe it's a little arrogance. It's like we don't have to switch our scheme. We're gonna do what we do, line up and beat them. We just crushed UC Davis the same way, and we're gonna go get them. Mm-hmm. And, and so, why would you even, you know, take a plan, you know, go to the plan B if plan A is going to work. But when plan A clearly wasn't working. Well, I mean, like you said, we've got, we're young. We're young. Have they ever, how much have they practiced like a 4-3 look? But it's like, it makes you wonder. Or a 5-2 look. Or when, um, when uh, um, Robertson got knocked up, knocked out. Because yeah. he played and then he, he didn't come back, right? Yeah, I guess. They didn't even talk about it. They didn't it talk TV. about it, but I think he, he got hurt, I assume. That's what I'm reading, yeah. Um, why didn't, it's like, why didn't they switch at least a little bit to a third linebacker instead of a fourth safety? You know? Because, you know, it, it couldn't have been any worse. Like, it literally, I mean, they yeah. averaged 6.8 yards a carry. <laughs> And it couldn't have been worse. So it's like I just yeah. don't understand why they didn't try something different. I, yeah, I. But the other thing I'll say is like Bobby mentioned in the post game, like we spent a lot of time preparing for Troy Anderson, and that was all for nothing because he didn't play. I'm not picking on on. I don't coach a football team. I'm not as smart as Bobby Huck. I'm not as smart as anybody on that staff. That's the only thing he said in his post-game press conference that really bothered me. Because mm-hmm. if you'd watched any Cat games in the last six weeks, it's been clear that Troy Anderson's banged up. Yeah. So even if he's banged up, he's not going to throw the ball. You know what he's... So it's like you're you're preparing for that whole freaking weird offense with a lot of different guys running the ball. So I don't buy the idea that, oh, Troy didn't play and it, it gave the Cats some advantage because the Grizzard had prepared for him. I don't buy it. 
and I'm sorry, if that's true, then Kent Bayer shouldn't be the defensive coordinator. I can't imagine that's true. Like, I, I just know. I can't Is, believe for a second that's true. I, like a deflection answer, maybe? Yeah, just, maybe. Which, I just wonder if we didn't come out with the right attitude. You know, Bobby admitted as much that he didn't do a good enough job getting his guys prepared. <clears throat> he made the comment that pissed off a lot of Cat fans that Cats take this game a lot more seriously than we do or it's like way more important i think is what he said actually yeah you know what's funny side note is i mean and and yeah the, no duh it's the coach of the rival but bobby Houck will never please cat fans like he could say 99 things positive and he could say one thing and it's like they're gonna zero in on that slight and it's just gonna be like i understand yeah. i understand why cat fans are mad like when you go out and whoop the sh- crap out of a team, like you kind of expect the opposing coach just to say, "We got beat, you got us every way." So but he did. Got us. Look at the press conference. The first no. minute of the press conference, he says like nine things that uh, all equate to like they were better than us. They beat us in all three phases well, yeah. of the game. And then he tries they to stick us. the they dagger just... in their ribs, like like John Snow into Daenerys yeah. from behind. Yep. Like he tries to give them that and. And really, like, I get it. I don't think it's insulting. I don't think it's an insulting thing to say that the Cats care about this game more than the Grizz do. The Cats had a lot to play for. They were playing for a seed. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah. You know what? The Grizz were freaking playing for the Big Sky Conference Championship. Yeah. So it's like, if you can't get your guys up for that, what the hell? I And that's what I think. That's why I don't think it's... That's why I understand why the cats are upset that Bobby's got to throw that in because oh, I, it's I, like saying, "Bobby, this is on you, bro." Yeah, like, I get it, but it's like, why do they care? It's yeah, like no, it's like yeah. you guys have kicked the Grizz ass four years in a row in different ways, yep. right? Yep, yep, yep. You just nominated them. Who gives a flying f? Like MSU's got enrollment over sixteen thousand. By all measures, they are ahead of UM as an institution right now. Mm-hmm. They just destroyed them on the. <laughs> Hold on. By all measures. No, 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 no. By by the measures that people are paying attention to, which is enrollment, football, and, and football scores. <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll that back because Luke and I could give a great spiel on all the reasons UM's a great school. But what I'm saying is the narrative is right that MSU's firing on all. It's like they just give Waded, you know, 150,000, which is going to be great while I'm wandering around Bozeman as Mr. Waded. Um, <laughs> but are you going it's it's like a it's like a constantly seeking validation yeah. from a guy who's never going to give it to you. It's like he is the coach of your rival. You are never going to get validation from him. So stop caring because so much of the things that the Cat fans take slight to over Bobby they don't care if Choate says something similar. They don't care what... So it's like, just let it go. And yes, there's a whole... We could have a freaking two-hour podcast on my thoughts on how Bobby and the media are... Could be better. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I do think that their um, amplification of a slight says more about them than it does actually about like... I think Bobby and what he really feels towards the cats. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't get the rise, he wouldn't do it. 
That being said, we can shift to this topic for a few minutes because, damn it. Um, is it time for some of these stupid games to stop? With the rivalry? No, with Bobby Houck and the media or <laughs> the narrative or, you know. Are you, are you talking about like how Bobby or his players won't mention the school or even yeah, Troy it's Anderson like, by name? Is of, that the game? Yeah, and it's like I, none of it bothers me. But it's like, if you're sitting here in a press conference after we get our ass kicked, saying, I guess we didn't have him prepared well enough, it's like, are you focusing on the wrong things? Because it's like, if you've got your guys trained to not say the other school's name, to not say the other player's names, you're clearly getting through to something. But it's like, so does that matter more? Or is it just like, know your enemy and just go beat them? I think that the line is, is like... Is disrespecting your opponent, does it ever get mixed up with not preparing for your opponent? You know, like... And I mean, I've always said no. It's like, I've always said it's never going to get mixed up that there's capacity in the human brain to do both. And I still think that, but it's just like... I mean, what does that have to show for him right now? I think Bobby's supremely confident. And he was betting that they were going to take care of business and not not paying attention, treating them like the little brother and then whooping their butt would have been more impactful than acknowledging that they exist. Mm. The problem mm. is, is that if you lose <laughs> and if you get your teeth kicked in and you lose, you end up looking like an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that just confirms everything the Bobcats want negative. to believe about him. That's a great point. Yeah. Yep. yeah. No. I'm, still, I'm still definitely glad that Bobby Houck is our coach. I definitely think that yeah, people need definitely. to people need to calm down because if we take away this loss to the Cats, it's like in year two he's nine wins and the number six seed in the freaking playoffs. Yeah, it's like that is a tremendous year two, right? It's way ahead of what almost everybody thought was. Going yeah, to okay, and we ha- I I do think it's important to make space in the human brain for two things as well. Yes, because we do it all the time. We do it all the time. <laughs> One is that, you know, we lost a rivalry game on the road to a top 10 team in the country. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't actually, like, get too many people riled up. And even the FCS seating committee recognized that we're still a pretty damn good football team. Yep. Yep. But we also can't, like, re-engineer our expectations. All of us, at the beginning of the year, expected to beat this cat team. Uh Oh, I believe oh. if we go back to the records, I said the Grizz need to prove that they can beat them. You know, and my, you <laughs> Mike's skittish by nature. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got called out by some guy on eGrizz, like the whole loss was my fault. Yep. Um, for listening to you. Yeah, hey, dude. And then he said that we're the most delusional Grizz fans that exist, of which all time. Of all time. All time. Which he thought was saying something. <laughs> I think you had the best comment. It was like if we're getting um if we're if we're getting people to comment on our free content behind anonymous screen names, like we've won that match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike, he's Luke, he's Bryn. <laughs> What's your name? Yeah. No, I I think we still need to account for the loss and be disappointed in the team. Um and we can still love Bobby as our coach and still be supremely disappointed that we didn't show up 
um, for the Big Sky Conference Championship game and for the Brawl of the Wild. Those these realities we can hold simultaneously Absolutely. because yep. I I hate the idea that we're gonna go in retrospect say like well it was a pretty good season you know like we're you know like ah we we wanted to win that game we should have won that game ah, we can't now say that it meant less yep. and I will say that and this may be true for both of you or it may not be but it's like any more the, the each, with each one of these losses, they've just kind of been paired with our enrollment going down. And it's like, I just so badly want for my alma mater to be trending positive. <laughs> and it's like, I, I'm looking for anything. And it's like the game, the win, like anything. So it, I guess it, it's, it, I feel like it matters more than it used to me. <laughs> I would say that enrollment is like wins in baseball for a pitcher. Like, it's not a very awesome stat anymore. We know this now. It's not about the university being the biggest university. It's about being, like, the right size. Like, mm-hmm. it's not bigger is better. It's, like, the right size. Yeah, and I have no problem with that. But I don't – I think that that's a hard narrative to say when we've lost enrollment constantly. You know what I mean? Like, it's like – I'm not saying we need to be 16,000, but I would like us to feel like – we're in a positive place. <laughs> Seth, I know you're listening. If you want to chat further, give me a call. <laughs> I, I, you can go through my booking agent, Dylan. He lives in D.C. <laughs> Brent, do you have any thoughts on gamesmanship? I don't know. Cat-Grizz rivalry? Yeah, I, I don't know. No, I mean, I just... It's it stings like hell, like that, and that's just the thing. Like the the rivalry loss, the four in a row. It, it's it's tough as hell, and it, it's it's really hard to then separate and step back because I think like a lot of conversations that you had afterwards, nine and three, tied second in the conference, six seed. The FCS has this SRS, the simple ranking system. We're third in that still, even with the loss. I mean. There's so much positive stuff to build off of, and it's it's a it's just it's a it's a kick in the gut. Um, on the gamesmanship side, I don't know. I I think because we talked like what like the depth chart hasn't been right since mm-hmm. the first second week of the season, probably, and just all these kind of little things like that. I guess I don't know. I feel like it but seems it's to me, intentional. It's it, it is absolutely intentional, but like. Everyone kind of does it, but yeah, then there's the point. It's like, okay, everyone has known Gabe Salser who's not been playing football for in and, excess of a month and a half, and he's been on the depth chart since. I don't know. It's yeah. I, You know, it's like, it's like I get that you don't want to give away secrets to your opponent, and I have no problem. If you want to give short answers in a press conference, I have no problem. Sure. But it's like, what's the point? Like some of this <laughs> stuff, because it's clearly intentional, it's like it's, it's a waste of time. Like, mm-hmm. What's the point of – not acknowledging that Sammy Kim's out for the year, you know, maybe he's not, but it certainly seems like he is. Or Gabe Salser, better example. Unless there's some amazing modern thing of medicine that can change what we saw of him wearing on the sidelines, I, you know, I don't get it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, maybe it doesn't matter at all. And if if we'd won the game, I wouldn't give a damn, and I probably wouldn't. <laughs> Although I actually think that one of one of the I think that the head coach of the football programs at the two schools in Montana are some of the most important 
jobs at the universities. And I'm not saying that because all the professors are more important than the football coach in the scheme of what the goal of the university is. And don't, I'm not, this isn't a football versus academics things, but it's like, those guys are the two highest paid guys in the state. Actually, Waded might actually pass them now with her $150,000 raise, which is probably worth it. But, uh, you know, and I think that they have a responsibility to put the schools that they represent in a good light. And it just seems mm-hmm. like some of the stuff is extra fluff that's not necessary. And I think that this whole, like, you know love-hate thing with the media and stuff like that. It's like, don't get me wrong. I get that the media has screwed the University of Montana over in the past. And still does. Fact. <laughs> still look, because they Indeed. look for the most salacious things that they can find to get clicks. But I also think that, you know, you you take take guys like Tutel Nuanas on ESPN or Skyline Sports or, you know, I mean, even this pod, although we're not media members and we're not asking for credentials and we're not going to press conferences and we're not going to anything and stuff like that. But it's like in in a college football environment where attendance is dropping everywhere, I don't think it's doing us any favors to alienate people who would otherwise willingly share your positive message if you would just say it. Hmm. And it's like, I think Choate talks too much. And I think Choate talks a lot because he wants people to... He wants to prove to people that he's smart. And I don't know if he is or not, but credit to him. He has said every year, it's all part of the process. We're getting better every year. And they have gotten better every Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Yep. And they've beaten the Grizz all four years. And they're the number four seed in the playoffs. I think he's smart. So it's like, yeah. you five know. Seed. They're the five the seed. The five seed, excuse me. The five seed. But your point still. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying there's there's only one way to be a football coach. But it's like. MSU has got such positive things going for it. And one of the things is their coach freaking talks so that the media the media shares it and their fan base hears about it. Mm. And I just wonder if this whole thing isn't a distraction that we don't need right now. It's a complete side note from the game. Do you but. think Bobby's alien, alienating anyone that you know is a Grizz fan or is he just alienating other fan bases? I don't think he's alienating people that are Grizz fans. I think UM is missing out on the opportunity to okay. cultivate better relationships with the fans they already have. Because I think that especially younger people they like content and they like content that's not from the institution itself. It's kind of like how Zillow is the most popular real estate search site. Do you know why Zillow is the most popular real estate search site? Because it's viewed as independent of realtors. Like people search for things from places other than just the source. And I think that, I think UM has gotten tremendously better on that. I think Eric Tabor does a great job as the SID. I think that, that there's good things going on there. But I just, I wonder if, if that's something, and I don't wonder. It's like my outside observation is MSU as an institution understands that significantly better than UM does. Just my thoughts. Okay. Well, speaking about uh, the university and their like how they promote themselves, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of really nice promotion this week about Dante Olson. How about that? <laughs> I really like your transition. You like that segue? I'm <laughs> smooth. Can you believe I'm not paid for this? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so for the second year in a row. 
Dante Olson has been nominated to the Buck Buchanan. He's a finalist. 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 Right? Three guys from the Big Sky are finalists, right? Him, Sterk, and... I don't know. Oh, there's another guy. Um, is it uh, the Sac State lineman, Obina. George Obina. Obina? I think so. Yeah, I think it might be him. Um, but he tied his, his, his tackle record from last year, which is crazy. I mean, two full years as a starter, and he's... With a strong playoffs where we make a run, he may become the all-time tackle leader. I, I mean, three hundred tackles in two seasons. I just feel bad for guys like Dante who have given their all in a time when the program wasn't at its peak, and they still fought like hell. And it's like that's why I hate this narrative of like. The seniors didn't beat the cats. And it's like, I get it. It is what it is. But it's like, it's not those seniors' fault. It's not Jesse Sims' fault. It's not Dante Olson's fault. I mean, like, these. Dante Olson, we've talked about him. Once in a generation linebacker at UM. I think he has a damn good chance to win it this I year. I hope they don't screw him over like they did last year. Because. <clears throat> Go ahead, Brent. It wasn't Obena, it was the safety from Portland State. Oh. He had five interceptions. Oh, whatever. That's... We have a D line with four. Yeah, <laughs> f that guy. <laughs> no, and, and like Gubner better get all confidence. That's <laughs> <laughs> a safety. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think Dante might win it just because he had a damn good resume for this last year. He repeats the year on a better team, on a seeded team. Yeah, and I think. A lot of times you see these awards, like if it's a junior or a sophomore, it's like, all right, kid, come back next year. And mm-hmm. so Dante's like, all right, I'm back. And I did the exact same thing. And my our team's finishing better. Like the resume, the body of work is even better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, looking, I mean, I don't know anything about all these other guys on the finalist list. Like James Madison has two guys on the finalist, they have two defensive ends. I don't know how the hell that, but, um, yeah, it's 26 different guys. So, yeah, Bryce Sterk, Dante, and then Anthony Adams from Portland State. Those are the big sky guys. I'm surprised Obina didn't get on. I thought – I mean, I was kind of thinking that that guy might be a – Interesting. Guy... And this isn't a knock on Sterk, but Obina had better conference stats. Way better. But I guess it's the whole body work, and, and Sterk had an amazing pre-conference. Like... Yeah. But both are seniors. So, nah, I don't know. Nah, that's the way it goes. But, yeah. Well, congrats, Dante. That's a really cool uh, list to find yourself on now twice. Yeah, and I think, I mean, he, once in a generation, I mean, he's he's maybe one of the very best linebackers to come through this program that, that a lot of us in this, like, modern era have seen. Play. I mean, he's got to be on your short list. And that was like, you go back to that cat game and, he at some point you can see on TV like I, he didn't like hurt his elbow but he got like a big cut on his arm on his right elbow and he was just like you could see like they cut to him and he's like working his arm I mean he just got he got he got the shit kicked out of him <laughs> in that game and he was still just going and going and going and it was like um, the root announcers were saying they're like you are watching an NFL player and you know late in the game still making big. Big stops, big hits, big tackles, bleeding from one arm, and just just completely physically beat down in a game where it's like it's over and he's still just playing at this top level. Um, it, it's just amazing. It, it is it is 
It's a bummer that he he doesn't have a brawl win under his belt, but we've got a home game. We could he he could be a part of some fun stuff in the postseason. So that that's the best hope for some of these guys, especially Jesse Sims, Dante Olson, Josh Sandry. A lot of these guys that have like stuck with the program through what what it's being built back being built back up to, and and hopefully on the right path that we can get some playoff wins for them. Yeah, guys. We get a home playoff game. Hell yeah. I mean, <laughs> home playoff game. This is so exciting. It's, it's going to be great. We're, Brent's going to talk a little bit later on kind of the two teams we we're playing get. this week we yeah. might get. So we'll, we'll cover that more later. But it's like th- that fact cannot be overlooked. And I will say that that definitely helped ease this game. Like, absolutely we wanted to win it. 100%. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be bothering me for a year. I actually was hoping, and I knew it wouldn't work out. Like I, I had the Grizz pegged at six. I figured that the big sky would go three, four, five, six. But it would have been awesome if the cats had gotten the four and we'd gotten the five so we could get a freaking rematch. Um, but such is life. Um, but that cannot be overlooked. Six seed, buy into the playoffs. Yeah. Nine and three. We, we what, the fourth hardest comp record or schedule uh-huh. in the regular season? And... We beat two playoff teams, and we lost two playoff teams. So this is a hell of a good resume. A great regular season. Ended on a real sour note. But I I think we talked about this. We've talked about this over and over. But I don't think a lot of people expected nine wins, even in September. Right? I mean, no. We All the talk was... This team could be better, but have the same or worse record because of their schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are. We get we get a week off, which much deserved and much needed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a little bit of both, and it, a home game. And it's not going to be a home game against San Diego. It'll be over at halftime. I mean, it's going it to be, be a fun. It is going playoff to be a game. fun, competitive tough home game like the playoffs should be and so it should be it should be a blast should we jump into this now yeah let's do it well so who are the two teams um vying to come to washington washington grizzly stadium to have their dreams made of playing in front of our crowd (laughs) i'm boy so it's the villanova wildcats who we haven't played for in 10 years last time we played them in caesar didn't go so well. <laughs> right? Is that what you say the name? Caesar? Caesar, Caesar. Scuzzer. I don't know. It's like Caesar. S- and then he went and played for the Cubs. Yeah, he was a pitcher. Yeah. I think he still is. Every right? time he comes into a game. Um, Villanova Wildcats and the Southeast Louisiana Lions. They are playing in Southeast Louisiana. And so uh, Villanova was kind of, you kind of had that group where you were ranked. 8, 9, 10, vying for that 8th seed. I think a lot of Villanova fans feel they kind of got a raw deal where uh, Central Arkansas got the 8th seed or someone else got the 7th seed. I can't remember who. Uh, but but so they, they're ranked 8th in the FCS polls. Their SRS ranking is a little higher up at 12th. But so Villanova heads to Louisiana for the game. And Villanova, um, how? Let's just yeah. start there. Stop there for one yeah. second. So first round games are done solely based on bids. They match people up regionally and it's bids. And yeah. the only criteria is you can't play somebody you played in the regular season. So the Cats and the Grizz would never face each other in the first first round of the playoffs. Right. 
All they do is they match up teams and then they open the bids and they say which of the two teams hosts. How the hell does Villanova that freaking won the NCAA basketball <laughs> national championship two seasons ago? They win it two years in a row? <laughs> yeah. And the way your money goes is the more games you win, the more money you get and the more money your years. conference gets yeah. for the next three years. Yeah. Villanova's athletic department's got to be rolling in it. How the hell do they not outbid Southeast Louisiana State? And I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, that was, so I pulled up. I looked at some stats. They Villanova averaged 6,000 people a game. Southeast Louisiana averaged like 7,000. Like, it wasn't even that big of a difference. They just must have <laughs> clearly didn't want to go give any extra money. It was like purely based on... I, Whatever tickets we could think we it could was just sell. like the bean counter. It's yeah. like doing the math and this and that and blah blah blah. And our our bid is this. We're Southeast Louisiana. It's like oh my god. But what's crazy is in a conference like this, the Colonial, the CAA. Yeah, that's going to be used as a recruiting thing against them. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like if they're competing with other guys for other schools. They're going to be like, why would you go to Villanova where they're not even going to support you? They don't even care. Yeah, yeah. they don't even yeah. care. Yeah, they're not gonna like their basketball team. They, their athletic department is rolling in it, but they just didn't. They didn't throw what, fifty thousand extra. More bucks. Yeah, I an mean, extra twenty five yeah. to thirty thousand dollars to get them a home game for the eighth ranked team in the country. <clears throat> so, Villanova. My gut feel is Villanova is going to win the game. Um, interestingly enough, as you so Villanova has. A quarterback that has taken like ninety eight percent of their snaps, and he's thrown thirty one touchdowns. He's averaging about two fifty a game. He's also run eleven touchdowns in. It's uh, it's a it's a Dalton Sneed kind of QB. Um, not massive, flashy passing numbers. He's thrown ten picks as well too. So a little bit of a risk taker, but a runner. Sturdy guy though played has played damn near every down, and uh, yeah, they're a team. They've got they've got a receiver that's a, that's a, a a pretty pretty big threat. Like they've got a like a feature type receiver that's a big deal. Southeast Louisiana is a little bit more of a interesting kind of team. Um, they they have like a really strange record. They were supposed to play a twelve game schedule, but one of their games got canceled because of a hurricane. And um, they're supposed to go play. Same. They're, <laughs> they're supposed to go play Bethune Cookman, and it got canceled. North Dakota only had eleven games for the same reason. Oh the, no! I'm just no, kidding. That's not right? <laughs> no, I was like, wait, no. Hurricane no. trouble in North Dakota. <laughs> uh, but so Southeast Louisiana, they've got they're a real pass heavy team. They pass for three forty, three thirty, three forty a game. But they split QBs. They've got a QB that's a pocket passer, and they've got a QB that's a rusher like a run around, but he throws a little bit too. So um, both have defenses that tend to – that are good. There's no like big eye-popping number about either of them. So it seems like it's going to be an interesting matchup. Villanova, if it comes down to kicking, they could be in big trouble because their kicker is – has missed like five extra points. And, yeah, it's like – (laughs) <laughs> loyal loyal listeners of the Grizz Fan Pod will recall that Brent told us that once before. <laughs> <laughs> 
The kicker sucks. Don't worry. He, and, and then he and makes then everything against. He made them. everything, including like a fifty million <laughs> yards. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Anyways, so I mean, I I think, I kind of my gut feel on it is while it is in Louisiana, I feel like Villanova is probably the better team. Uh, Louisiana, fascinatingly enough, um, very close to each other in Sagarin rankings. Villanova is 127. Southeast Louisiana is 134. And this SRS thing, Villanova was 12th. Southeast Louisiana was 16th. But in the polls, Villanova was 8th. And Southeast Louisiana, not ranked. Also receiving votes. Hmm. So Southeast Louisiana beat Central Arkansas. Eight seed Central Arkansas. They went to Arkansas and beat them 34-0. to zero. But outside of that, then they had like, they lost to Incarnate Word. They lost to McNeese, two teams having down years. Um, and then they lost to Nichols, who's another playoff team from the Southland, by fumbling the ball on the one-yard line at the end of the game. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's rough. That's a tough way to lose a game. Boy, I'm glad that's never I happened know. to us. Oh. <laughs> Their thing, though, it was even more insult to injury because they only lost by one point. Oh, they could have kicked a field. So, like, <laughs> and I, so there was still time. So it was like, well, we're gonna, you know, we got time. We're gonna go and we're gonna get a touchdown. They fumbled the damn ball and lost that way. And so it punt, it knocked them out of the top twenty-five. But the voters were, though, the the selection committee was still sympathetic enough and put them in. So, yeah, um, it's gonna be an interesting game to watch. I think you've got Villanova's quarterback, who seems to kind of is definitely the centerpiece of their offense. Where you've got Louisiana, where it's a spread it around, pass happy, pass heavy, rotate the QBs in, in and out, up and down. Southeast Louisiana does have a good rush defense, but kind of a poor pass defense. I think if Southeast Louisiana beats Villanova and comes here, you're probably looking at a high scoring game. Um, Villanova, I, I see a lot of similarities between Villanova and Montana, and it could be a little strength against strength in the two. So I would suspect Villanova. I'd like to see Villanova just out of the sense of 2009 come in. It's, you know, not like anyone, but, you know, it'd be fun to have them back. Yeah. I think it's in the playoffs. Be careful what you wish for. So honestly, <laughs> true. whatever happens there happens. Oh, so. yeah. No, yeah. Brent, I was wondering if in your research about Southeast Louisiana, you came across perhaps their most notable football alum. No, no. Luke. From who who was born and raised in Hammond, Louisiana, which is where Southeast Louisiana is. My cousin, second round pick of the of the Arizona Cardinals in the twenty thirteen draft, Robert Alford. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Eli, and Robert. <laughs> really need to meet this this. Uh, <laughs> branch on your family tree that's producing this football player. <laughs> they don't look much like you. The Alfred football family stretches from Shelby, Montana to Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. Believe it. But yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what time the game... I don't have the details on when the game starts. I'm assuming this first round your ESPN Plus, so it's going to be mostly streaming apps. I'm going to try to find it, put it on. Obviously, it's it's the it, it's an interesting one. I think people are pointing out like the Cats get, are getting the winner of Albany, who was in the CAA but did not play Villanova, mm-hmm. and uh, like 
what's the other one? Central Connecticut state or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, some higher seeds are, uh, we're a little bit of a lower seed. So we're definitely probably potentially facing off against a stronger team, uh, that's going to come out of this. So it, it should be a hell of a game and I'm looking forward to having both these because I'm, I'd have to look further back. I don't know if either of these teams have been to Missoula. So I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think they have. Yeah. So which I love that. See, and that's why that's another thing that's so exciting about getting a seed is like you're not necessarily guaranteed the like regionalization rematches. Yep. And that's going to be a busy day in Missoula. It is the holiday parade. It is the lighting of the Christmas tree at night. It's a Grizz game. This game starts at 1 p.m. Yep, it starts at 1. So it's it's going to be a full day in Missoula. And so hopefully people... The the winner of that game will play the winner of Weber and whoever. <laughs> and Weber gets the winner of Wofford and Kennesaw State. So it's one of those things where it's like for people hoping <laughs> that Weber gets upset. Uh, I don't know if we want to play an option team given what we've learned recently well, about our Grizzlies. Well, that was funny because I was like, at the end of that cat game, I was like, when we get in the playoffs, we damn well better not get Kennesaw State. And then it's like, Weber is going to get the winner of Wofford and Kennesaw State. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, if Weber gets upset and we get another home game, we're going to get a triple option team in Missoula the week after that. But yeah. How often do you see first-year football coaches make deep runs in the playoffs? First year? Yeah. Well, Jam, you national championship a couple years ago. He was in his first year. He was? Yeah. Well, and of course, I guess you could say, right, both North Dakota states, like when Bull Last left, Kleiman Cly- yeah. yeah. won a national And then Jam, has got a first-year head coach again this year. So Southeast Louisiana's got a first-year head coach. Oh, Who actually played college baseball. Who <laughs> was a quarterback's coach his name for the Caesar. Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> That's so he coached Blake Bortles. Kind of an impressive coaching hire. If yeah. you think about it. I mean, <laughs> he yeah. So he he's from the area. Okay. He played college baseball at Northeast Louisiana. Ooh, but I've he heard went, of he went Southeast. Louisiana. Imagine their rivals left his, <laughs> left his Northeast through Northeast roots and went Southeast. It's, it's it's bitter. You left Nila and you went to Sela. <laughs> How could you do that to me, Rhonda? <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's talk a little bit about the Big Sky in general because we talked it. about the playoffs. So the Big Sky, and we've already kind of hinted at this, obviously, but Big Sky teams go three, four, five, six. First times in this version of the playoffs with only seeding eight teams that four Big Sky teams have gotten buys. In fact, I believe I heard that it's the first time any conference has gotten four four oh. seeded teams in the season. I mean, they they haven't been seeding for a yeah. long time, so that makes sense. You yeah. know, so it's like. Good for the Big Sky, and it sets up that if if all four Big Sky teams can win their first round game, knock on wood, then at least two Big Sky teams are guaranteed to make the semifinals. Awesome. So I mean, this has potential to be a great year for the Big Sky in the postseason, and it's long overdue, frankly, because um, outside of Eastern and Weber, a little and, bit, and Weber, a little bit, not much. The Big Sky hasn't. I mean, like the Big Sky has two losses to San Diego in the last five years. <laughs> I mean, so I actually kind of hope that that things go well. But that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm rooting for all the Big Sky conference teams this week. Mm-hmm. We um or next week. <laughs> Luke yeah, and I. I'm rooting for them this yeah, week too. This week when none of them play. Luke and I were um 
able to have dinner on Friday night with uh, a gentleman who works for the Big Sky Conference. Um, and it was kind of interesting talking to him because he, he came to work for the new commissioner. He worked with him previously. And just kind of hearing his take on things, but also kind of educating him a little bit on how our rivalry works and, and things like that. Mm. But um, <clears throat> they were pretty excited about the possibility of getting four seeds, which what I kind of like about it is I feel like for the first time in a long time, the Big Sky Conference has some leadership that cares and gets it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Casper at the, at the Big Sky Conference has always been awesome. Yes. Um, But it's like having Tom, Wistrel is how you say his name. And, and some of these other guys, it's like they were legitimately excited and they're kind of pumping it up and, um, they've got some ideas to try and get more um, more coverage for the big sky. So I think that's going to be kind of fun to watch. And I think that the reason I bring that up is like if if these big sky teams can take care of business and we can get in the semifinal, get two teams in the semifinals, that actually might be good for us as fans. I was complaining about content earlier in this podcast, and <laughs> um, that could be kind of fun. No, you're absolutely absolutely right. Like we want to show, we want the Big Sky Conference to put resources. We want, excuse me, uh, the resources to go to teams like Montana, Montana State, Weber, you know, the the powerhouses to amplify what they're doing year in and year out. Fair. Absolutely. So, guys, it finally happened. The job that I didn't think had any accountability to it ever, what we've dubbed the best job in the world, if you didn't want to do anything is open Northern Colorado. You're a personal assistant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, my, my assistant who is not a sports fan, so she's not going to listen to this is going to take very serious umbrage with that comment. <laughs> so well, I was going somewhere else with this, but now I need to bring this up. My assistant's not a sports fan. And thank God, because the last two Grizz games, have been some of the busiest work times of my life. Like constantly, like these agents from these other transactions I'm working on are texting and all this stuff. And it's like, thank God Jill is there to respond to him. Cause it's like, don't you people know what's going on right now? <laughs> like be aware of the town you work in. Weber state is coming to town. There is a tomorrow. Grizz game. <laughs> Stop it. Like we put two houses under contract during the Weber state game, but it was just like awesome. But also, couldn't have waited till like five. <laughs> anyway, where I was going. We with used this. to promote these guys as realtors <laughs> on this podcast. No, I mean your your biggest takeaway from my statement is that somebody will answer your phone call all the time. During Grizz Games, it's probably not gonna be me. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be Jill. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. Um, where I was going with this is Northern Colorado fired Ernest Collins. Yes. Um, Cal Poly also has an opening because uh, Tim Walsh retired. He's been at Cal Poly for 11 years. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. It didn't feel like that long. Strikes me as a retired in quotation marks yeah. as Brent's doing in the air right <laughs> the now. Because <laughs> it was probably time. Yeah. Um, I just can't believe he'd earn that Tim Walsh had been at Cal Poly for 11 years because he was at Portland State for a long time too. Yeah, he was Portland State and then didn't he do like a quick, didn't he go like Army or Navy or something, something like real that. quick and then came back? Yeah, because... Polly had a, a a little bit of a PR issue, I think, and then Walsh kind of came in as the guy to help set the ship right, if I remember correctly. So, or yeah. or Walsh is the fall guy for the Cal Poly guys getting an extra hundred and eighty six dollars in book money this year. Ooh, book money! 
It's it happened on Paulie's watch. Lack of institutional control. I hate the NCAA sometimes. <laughs> anyway, so Polly will be an interesting job opening just because will they stick with the option? Will they not? California is an interesting place to recruit because there's certainly a lot of talent there. I mean, interesting, attractive job with the legislation that the state of California is passing. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Wouldn't be the worst place to live. Do you wonder um, if the Cal Poly Board of Regents are, and I don't know how the structure works there but anyway the decision makers of cal poly sat there and looked at the other big sky california schools and were like all of a sudden uc davis made a run last year sacramento state's making a run this year it's like hey we could actually be good at football (laughs) let's shake things up i don't know anyway poly's a little bit of a different like academically yeah everything i mean poly Especially the SAC as a commuter school. I don't know. Let's but, put it this way. SAC, the three of us could get into. I'm not sure about the other two. <laughs> <laughs> don't fake offense. <laughs> no, no. Too many listeners know me to, to believe that I would have got into the other two. <laughs> um, Northern Colorado is the one that's more interesting to me just because and I get, I know that sometimes it's like the most obvious person isn't the person, but doesn't that just seem tailor made for Bob Stitt in Bob some ways? Stitt. Maybe. I mean, like he may not want to come back down to this level because he's going to not see it as an opportunity to advance further. But you know, I mean, like he knows the area for recruiting purposes. Mm-hmm. He's got a good reputation. They're going to give him a decade to put his system in place. If he got hired at UM, why wouldn't he get hired? Well, I'm sure that Northern Colorado has reached out to Bob Sitt. They'd be crazy not to. But they may have somebody else in mind. I was trying to see what he's getting paid at Texas State. I mean, that's – but maybe that doesn't matter that much, you know. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of our fan questions. Is Stitt a fi- would Stitt be a finalist in Northern Colorado? Presumably, if he applied, the answer has got to be I mean, hell yeah. I think so. And then the follow-up question along that was, does Gresh Jensen go with him? <laughs> well, I'd rather Gresh Jensen go to Northern Colorado than Montana State. Mm-hmm. Although, I actually made this point to Luke at this point. What would a quarterback do for them? It's, could they score more than 48 points against us <laughs> in <this year? laughs> Sorry, Grash. We're yeah. we're gonna stick with this 325 yards of pop thing. Yeah, <laughs> dominate. Um, so anyway, those are gonna be interesting, and and we'll talk more about them if we need to. Um, anything else? Kind of big sky storylines? Because I've got a couple other things I want to talk about on kind of like the Grizz season, but yeah, those big sky, big sky storyline. You know, um, <sighs> Idaho, I think was. Uh, a little bit of a fascinating end of their season. And so they go to NAU. The uh, I saw somebody. Uh, I I'm, It might have been Casey Everett, who's the NAU podcaster, uh, who's part of the um, our, our Big Sky Podcast Network. Like the third worst defense in all of the FCS or something. Like, I mean, as the season went on, it was painfully obvious that NAU's defense was really, really bad. So, Idaho goes out with an overtime win. Mason Petrino does what? He throws for how many yards? 480-something? I thought it was – well, he has 500-plus yards 500 of total 500-plus yards of total offense yeah. and 
seven total touchdowns. Something <laughs> ridiculous. Like, like he just goes nuts. And then their Idaho football Twitter account tweets out his accolades, Big Sky Player of the Week, mm-hmm. I believe, <laughs> with a hashtag haters gonna hate. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> quickly deleted. <laughs> I, but shout out to our guy Brian Marceau, who and has, then, that, has I mean, that screen cap. <laughs> followed up by the uh, beat writer for whatever paper it is that covers them, um, wrote a uh, no-holds-barred oh opinion today Ooh. about just like how we've been down this road before and Idaho shouldn't be so hostile towards their fans. And it's kind of something that I've said to you guys off air, but it's like it drives me nuts when when sports people talk down to fans or the public like they're stupid the dummies hey dummy it's like you don't know how this goes i i clearly don't know the x's nose of football right but it doesn't take a genius to recognize that mason petrino was well under 500 for his career and often was a liability and we've defended him on here i'm sure he's a nice guy i think that he'd be a better QB for the cats than they've got, for instance. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him, but for, for them to try and turn around and act like those fans shouldn't be frustrated because the coach's son was a below average big sky conference QB for two years and try and make this like a, Oh, you guys suck. Haters going to hate. Like, Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't it, Idaho, so we're talking about coaching vacancies. Of course, Idaho's just going to be a fascinating one to watch because, as we know, Paul Petrino's under contract millions of dollars yeah. <laughs> for years moving forward. Uh, you follow our guys, Tubbs and the club, and and the the faction of Vandal fans that are hanging on, and they want him gone. So it, interesting to see. They're, they're, this offseason, the big sky, I think uh, uh, Portland State, Bruce Barnum, I believe he's at the end of his five-year contract. Um, what, they finished five and seven, just another middle-of-the-pack year, but PSU is always kind of perpetually broke. So will they extend him and keep him around? Um, outside of that, you look around the conference, is Rob Fennessy maybe getting on the hot seat? I mean, Idaho State, probably not yet. Like, See, I want Portland State they, to fire Barnum so that Barnum can follow his sons here, <laughs> be some random guy on – our coaching staff. I think Luke has made this point already. Yeah, and I want him for just quippy takes to the media. Exactly, and then we need <laughs> to somehow that problem that you talked about. We need to somehow get the athletic department to grant permission for this low-level assistant coach to come on the Grizz Fan Pot because <laughs> <laughs> I think we could have fun with him. You know, Bruce Barnum was he? Oh, he wasn't a defensive coach, was he? He was an offense coach. Okay. Yeah, he was mostly an OC. All right, never mind. Okay. I kind of was thinking that, uh, you know, if there was going to be some shakeups and some things, maybe there would be an opportunity for Barney to come in and help out. But this guy was – I'm looking back. He was offensive coordinator uh, pretty heavily. Would he bring his Dots pretzels? Um, <laughs> I hope so. Sponsorship? Maybe we can get partake in yeah, that. Shoot, I love some dots. He was Portland OC, Cornell OC, Idaho State OC, and DC. And DC. So back to 2000. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's a he's an O coach. So, yeah. Damn. I thought we'd get, get Barney in here to help 
something on the defense. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting storylines in the Big Sky moving forward. Is Northern Colorado going to be that team out of nowhere? Like Sac State was no. trash last year, and they get they get like an all star cast of coaches, and their whole team gets sixth and seventh and eighth years from the NCAA. Honestly, and then they kick everybody's ass. Like, can Jake? What's their quarterback? Nip. Nip. Can I Nip, think he finally is can gone. Nip get his thirteenth year? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think that the. Um, Team with the favorable schedule to make the playoffs next year is the critic. <laughs> it's about time. Although not having a tough schedule is a, a we got a few seeding. Like, we got to go to Eastern. There's we go to NAU, but NAU. I mean NAU historically is tough for us, but yeah, that's not so much now. Um, I did want to wrap up um, just a few other um, sure kind of quick things. Um, we talked a lot about Bozeman in general. I mean, their their uh, their tailgate atmosphere is great. Yeah, different than Montana's, but but honestly, fun. Mm-hmm. A little bit muddy, but I mean, they've got some. Uh, they have a lot more kind of private tents and and things like that. They they have more room to spread out, so they do a good yeah, job. Yeah, those fields around it, right? Yeah. The students um, wrap around the stadium, and it, it it creates a great atmosphere. I do think that, and I think I talked about this. Last year, complaining about the year before, but I do think that's that they need some more security by the visitors' tunnel when the players are walking off the field, <laughs> because the it's that is a brawl waiting to happen. Oh, really? Because they're just letting that the, there wasn't even security around because they're also focused on the goalposts. Yeah, that these kids, these students are just streaming onto the field, which I don't care about. They can charge the field. Everywhere else, they could have just let them go, but like they were streaming right into the path that the Grizz have to walk off the field on. Oh, and it's like, it is it is a brawl waiting to happen. Hmm. Two years ago, I thought... It was going to happen. It was going to happen. Some, you know, riled up student... Yep. Got in the face of Tucker Shy, I remember, and a, and a couple other players, and was, made physical contact with Tucker Shy. And you think like... You come off an emotional loss that year meant the Grizz aren't going to the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. Like Tucker is a gladiator wearing weapons. <laughs> like it's gonna happen one of these years yeah. that we're gonna get malice in the palace. Like I just don't understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's 17 effing security guards guarding the goalposts. Yeah, the yep. perimeter on the goalposts. You saw it on TV. You're <laughs> like, are you? This is a nightmare. This year. Some dude like almost goes back into the like almost goes to the tunnel mm-hmm. to scream something. I was going to say in Robbie Houck's face. Yeah, there were there were students getting in Grizz players' faces, and and nothing bad happened. And credit to everybody, but it's like it's it is trouble waiting to happen. And it even if like in the moment the player will be wrong because they retaliated, that it will be MSU's fault because yeah. it's so obvious that that's a problem. Yeah. 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 I, hmm. I, I've thought about writing. I, I really thought about writing Wadhead an email, like just being like, hey, no sour just, grapes on the win or the loss. Like, this isn't about, you know, like um, but, the rivalry. This is a like a safety issue for the students. Yeah. And like, but, I, I, I get, ner- I got nervous. I actually saw a couple guys on the cat message board today bring it up. Oh, it's like, oh really? I'm glad that other people are recognizing it too, because they said that this is this is a problem waiting to happen. Hmm. 
other than that, um, Bozeman was good. Um, we got to meet several fans of this pod. That was so fun. Which was fun, but also kind of like, this is just us drinking beer, <laughs> talking about football. I, well, it felt really natural because that's what we did with that's the what fans. We did. Is we drink, yeah. drink beer and drink talk beer and football. talk football. <laughs> um, but I will say that that actually kind of made this Monday night thing kind of worth it. Not that we don't clearly enjoy this, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like the, the cats do put on a good show. I love the way they have their tailgates set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how we would recreate something like that, you know, at UM. Yeah. Take some thought process. But I really like, uh, it seems a little like there's less rules. First of They're all, absolutely. Brent can speak to this as well, but Ugh. having hosting a corporate tailgate, I can tell you there was nobody patrolling those MSU tailgates telling them which similar, banners are cool. Yeah, <laughs> similar to what nonsense we have to deal with at the UM tailgates. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it feels, it feels really communal. People mingle in and out, like almost no separation. It's just like a perfectly crowded space. Um, just loved it. I don't know. It was a. It was a. I was really skeptical um, about going down there, and I only went because I thought we were going to win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is why Britain didn't go. <sighs> yeah, but ultimately, um, you know, really didn't have anyone be a jerk. So good, positive experience, and it was so happy. I I hope in a couple weeks at, at our home game we can meet up with some more Grizz fan Grizz fan pods. Yeah, Grizz fan pod fans. Grizz fan pod fans. Grizz fan pod fans. GFPF. <laughs> Whatever we need to do. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to get that in there because awesome. that yeah. was great. And we will somehow, some way, convince Brent to go in two years. <sighs> You've got two years two to years. mentally get over your road. It's going to be like old school where we slide up <laughs> in a van. <laughs> in a van. <laughs> Kidnapped him. <laughs> Don't tell anyone or we'll kill you. No, we're just kidding. We'll have him home by six. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Um What do you think? We ready for questions? Or? I think let's take let's take some listener questions. I All think right. that there's some topics in there that are gonna be good to cover. I got Egris up in front of me. Of course, I think what we tend to do well is we kind of hit a lot of points that I think a lot of Grizz fans are are thinking about. Mm-hmm. So Everett Grizz asked some stuff like, was James there? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Did he learn any new words? If he would have been there. What's the – wait, wait. So what is – has James, like, learned a word at a game? I don't know if he's learned a word at a game because I scream towards the – Field and it's loud generally. Okay, but sooner or later he's going to, and it's gonna be my fault. Um, you know, yeah, I gotta mentally work on that. That being said, James has learned profanity from me before. <laughs> he, when he was just learning how to talk, um, I'm getting him in his car seat and and like struggling to buckle him, and I didn't say anything, and he said, "God damn it!" And I was like. What did you just say? <laughs> and it dawned on me that when I would struggle with the car seat, under my breath, I'd be like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so then I started to really pay attention to what I said in front of him. Perfect. He did not come to the the Cat Grizz game, though. I felt like maybe he's a little too young. Although my wife pointed out that I did think about bringing him before I even considered inviting her. So 
Here's the thing, Mike. When when you start bringing James to these games, you know, with us, just blame everything on me. Like, <laughs> Luke said it. Luke. Like, you can throw me under the bus. It's fine. I like it. Uh, Everett also asked a question that we kind of touched on with uh, how the hell did Nova not win a bid? Yeah. Crazy. Um, Everett's uh, an astute observer of those things. Shout out to our number one Bobcat fan that listens to all our pods, Flycasting Cat. I don't know if that's true, but he listened to last week. I like it. Welcome. I hope you're still listening. <laughs> uh, Montana Jack is asking what antidepressants we're taking right now. <laughs> well, uh, Lewis and Clark Lewis. Prickly Pear Ale. And uh, Draftworks, that's what she said. Hey, when you were at Aleworks, were you drinking Missoula beers or were you drinking like weird Bozeman beers? Um, I had a uh, cold smoke. I was going to ah. say, I had a cold smoke. I also, They have a enough, lot of Missoula beers, they right? They have a ton of Missoula beers. Yeah. I also finally paid my my debts to Montana Parlay oh. um, on a couple, you know, boisterous things I've done over the years on Twitter. <laughs> um, and what he wanted was cold smoke. So mm-hmm. those cat fans, at least they, they can recognize Missoula's got some good beer. Um, dual questions about why didn't the defense do anything to adjust for the counters and reverses, I, you know, your we, we covered it. Your guess is Gazaris, but it. I think honestly, my hope, and I think you guys hit the nail on the head, is we just don't have the personnel depth in other position areas to change things up too much. That being said, why they didn't stack the box and dare them to beat them with the pass, I have no idea. Yeah, uh, Brother Bear is asking if. Both programs would be better off served if this was a game played, say, in October. Like it's more middle of the season or you stagger it around. Weather would be a little different, obviously. You'd have more of the season in front of you. You know, I mean, I kind of get that argument, but the flip side of that is we just had one of the more epic Grizz-Cat games from a standpoint of the Cats destroying the Grizz. And both of them end up with national seeds and buys in the playoffs. So yeah. it's like, take care of your business the rest of the year, and even if you lose this game, you're still in good shape. Yeah, I even like it that the last, the the previous three years, it was essentially a battle not only for the rivalry and the trophy, but to go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, this year, it was, you know, still impactful. I I like it. It kind of sucks to have players injured, um, but that's just the name of the game in football. It is. Yeah. Okay, uh, Rats of Butte was asking us if we if say we played the Cats again, what changes would you make on defense? I think we kind of talked a little bit of just defensive stuff, but I just don't think the same game would happen again. I don't know if we beat them, but yeah. I don't think the same game would happen again. And change on defense, I would freaking run a zone defense <laughs> with eight guys on the line. Oh my god. Play the play the corners in tight and dare them to beat you with the pass. Yeah. That's what I would do. Uh brother bear hops in another one. If we did play the Cats again, which I guess would be the national title game, would the Great Divide trophy be on the line again? How could it not, right? Right? I mean, it would be a game between the two teams. Here's what I think would be really cool that would never ever 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 happen. All right. I think it'd be really cool if we met in the national championship, if the state legislature, like the Board of Regents, like both universities, ponied up money to buy out Frisco, buy the game out from them somehow. 
Oh my god! Mm-hmm. And get it into Montana and then somewhere. Say and then decide. I don't know how you would do it. Like having a butte. Having you, well, or just say, "Hey, was that you know?" Like, all right, cats, you guys think we're you're so much better than us. Let's have it at Wagres, or you know, you guys, you know, own the court. We'll we'll come back there. I think that would be cool. It would be, be such a better atmosphere. Oh it would God. never happen, but fair. <laughs> uh, Va Grizz is asking, of course, this kind of talk about. Uh, Sneed not being healthy potentially, but then why'd we play him the whole game? Why not put Cam in for series or give him fourth quarter, especially when the game was in hand? I think it was a pride thing. I think that at some point Bobby Houck wanted those seniors to fight it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, I think he he feels Dalton Steed, and he's right, that Dalton Steed's been such a warrior for this team, and that's such an important game, that win or lose, Dalton's going to want to be out there with his guys. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and you also don't want to put your backup in if you don't think he can succeed, especially if he's, you know, you kind of want him to have a clean slate going into next year and not have a, you know, a performance lingering over him. So, probably both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Grizzly or Digger, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but uh, say the Grizz win their game on December 7th, would we rather go to Weber or host a triple option team? <laughs> At this moment, I think I'd rather go to Weber, but we'll see how I feel. <laughs> there's a part of me There's a part of me that says I'd rather host just because that whole, especially in football, playing a team twice. twice. Yeah. I mean, we in 04, we went down to Sam Houston State. They came here in the playoffs, and we put it to them. In 08, we went to Weber, and they came up here. And, and Weber says, wants us again. Oh like, there's a quote from God. Jay Hill. I guess like their beat writer basically said they're watching the the, the, the the selection show, and Montana pops up as the number six seed, and he immediately says, boys, we take care of business in the first round, and we get Montana. I mean, yeah, they clearly want Montana to come. There's something you said earlier in this podcast um, that makes me think I'd rather play Weber again, and it's that like what Weber does well isn't what got us beat against MSU. Like they're more of a north and south running team, mm-hmm. and if our if our secondary is really good at going north and south, like it's kind of a force on force, mm-hmm. like traditional pro style yeah, running game, we're better at we, shutting down. We might be better at that, so. I really don't know what we could do against an option at this point. <laughs> uh, Grizz in the Box asks, to explain how something as cute as baby Yoda can grow up to be ugly like the old Yoda, yet the ugly duckling grows up to be a beautiful swan. Now, who says the old Yoda's ugly? Isn't beauty Grizz in the, the Box. Isn't beauty in the eye of the beholder, Grizz in the Box? <sighs> yeah. Why are you so discriminatory against... Uh, Yodas. Old Yoda. <laughs> I don't know what, what species they are. but Nobody does. That's why they call it Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. They don't know because he just looks like Yoda. Luke, my thing here is <laughs> looks like Andrew like, Schmidt complained last week that there's no Star Wars, and then all these questions have freaking Star Wars. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I mean, like, I think that we see examples of this all the time. I think... You know, like, there's a girl I went to high school with who was, like, Miss Montana. 
And I remember her dad telling me she was the ugliest child he'd ever seen in his life. <laughs> you know, people people grow to look differently. Like, I'm sure Danny DeVito was a cute kid. But look at <laughs> you know, like, there's perfectly reasonable exp- explanations for this. Is this Kara you're talking about? No. Oh, Shelby has put out a lot of Miss Montana. Shoot, dude. Whoa. Something in the water up there. We got some dimes. <laughs> I was like, Miss Montana, comma, Shelby. Or, and it's like, boom. But like, there's like multiple. It's like, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, look at we The things you learn on the Grizz Fan <laughs> Shoot. You, you ask some of these uh, <laughs> North Central Montana GSPFers. <laughs> Uh, okay, we are on the home stretch with Eager's questions, and Mike, I'll have you do some Twitter ones. Okay. Um, uh, Kramer asked just how you can go from the Weber game to the Cat game, to the 180. Is it a lack of senior leadership? Is it coaching? He asked if Hauk lost the team in a week. I don't think that's uh, – but just, I mean – I don't think you obviously can lose a, the team a, in a week. A general perception of shock from going from what we saw here in Washington Grizzly than what we see a week later in Bobcat Stadium. I mean, I think that there's definitely such thing as hangover games, and I think that you can get yourself so hyped for one that you zap your energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that they that combined with maybe the Grizz players probably thought they were better than MSU. Yeah, and I think when I mean, MSU, while they're you know a little one dimensional on offense. I think that they're a legitimately good football team. Oh, clearly. And, you know, like you can't take anything away from MSU. And when you're playing these good football teams and you come out flat, like crap can snowball. And I think that that game snowballed and then, you know, you're in a death spiral. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Yep. I think you're right. Chris Fan 95 asked a lot of stuff again about cat game. I think a lot of the stuff, you know, not prep, prep over prep for Troy, um, defensive stuff, things like that. I think we touched on most of it. Uh, this one was kind of uh, the last question we had on Egris uh, from Highline Grizz Fan. And this is something I was kind of thinking about even immediately after the week, after the game. Um, do we think it is appropriate for the MSU athletic department to play songs that would the, the Moni Moni song, right? To get the cat fans to all sing their little chant that they love to sing. Eat shit, Grizzlies, go, cats, go. That's the one, yes. That they s- chant in unison. They chant. Both the student section and the adults behind them. Yeah. I mean, it was oppressive, impressive, and like kind of made you go, hmm, all at the same time. <laughs> so asking, um, <laughs> so, uh, so the question basically is like, do you think it's appropriate that you would, entice that chant as a stadium PA administrator. And would we agree that until they stop that stupid chant and storming the field, like they just beat the new England Patriots, they will always be little brother. Oh, <laughs> Here's the thing. I, it, if we want them to stop playing that song, beat them. We need to go beat them. That's the thing. Well, okay. I, I like where you're going, but I don't know that they're ever going to stop playing that song, but go ahead. I mean, can it be, um, can it uh, foment toxicity of a fan base? Certainly. Mm-hmm. Do the the thing that I dislike is that there is like a cohort of Bobcat fans who insist that Grizzly fans are the worst sports and the most toxic people on the planet. 
And I'm just like, look in the mirror, brother, because we don't have 15,000 people chanting eat shit bobcats. Like, we don't have yeah, our I was gonna say, have you full-fledged ever, adults. Have you ever been to a wedding where a group of Grizz fans spontaneously start chanting eat shit bobcats, go Grizz, go? No. No, neither have I. They, ch- they chant eat like, shit grizzlies on weeks they're not playing the Grizzlies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so here's my thing. I don't care. They can do whatever they want. And, yep. and I will say, whether they should be doing it or not, I was impressed with how in unison the whole damn place was <laughs> saying it. I mean, it was an impressive sight. I think all it really does is it seeds the moral authority. So for all this complaining about Bobby Houck's classless and all this stuff... Look, MSU, I mean, you are you know what they're going to say, and you're playing the song, so you're condoning it. And I don't, if that's what you want to do, fine, because I, I, it doesn't bother me. It, it was fun. I laughed. But you, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit here and complain about, oh, that fan base is all classless, and we're all great, but, yeah. but we go and do this at the game. And I will say, Cat fans who I think I, I've – given a lot of props to if you guys want us to not think that you still have an inferiority complex which you shouldn't but stop chanting eat shit grizzlies go cats go when you're playing nau in (laughs) october right yeah i mean it's like that that's just weird like i can tell you the only mention or the only reaction the Bobcats get at a Grizz game when it isn't Cat Grizz is if Peter Christian announces the score. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Or maybe the week before Cat Grizz, you'll start hearing some bring on the Bobcats or something like that. But so it's like you're making your own decision. And for a fan base to go on and on and on about how disrespectful the coach is, you're making your own decisions. I don't care. I laughed. Do what you want, but it's not my house. Yeah. I, I, but I think there's a big part of it, and maybe the broader picture of stuff where it's like, um, I think there are some videos that were showing like the way the student section was acting or this or that, or, you know, it's just like if, if you're concerned about some of these behaviors, the best way is to beat them. Like, don't give them that confidence. And that's that's something a team can control. But your point on that, Mike, is is great. So that's our eager questions. All right. We've got some Twitter questions. I'm going to start with um, our buddy Dustin Aarons um, from Luke's Neck of the Woods up there. Uh, you live in Shelby right now? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a farmer. Farmer up former, in Shelby. Former CEO of the, of the Chester's Medical Center. Fair. Also... <laughs> Also a uh, former college classmate of, of me and you. Yeah, we played but some baseball together. You, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> know him much He's longer. a good dude. Anyway, he sent us some questions last week on a private message. We, and the P- we, we forgot yeah, to we ask them. Yes. So I don't really use the Twitter I know, account. I know, we've noticed. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's not me. It's, it's definitely a Mike and Luke production. <laughs> <laughs> or excuse me, Mike and Brent production, <laughs> not Mike and Luke. Yeah, hell, man. Yeah, I know. It's completely I don't Mike go to Bozeman and suddenly I just don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my statement of luke doesn't use the twitter it's definitely luke using the twitter <laughs> um anyway so he's he's got a couple of questions for us so as difficult as it is to get past saturday's game 
we need to put things in perspective. Bobby's Grizz teams are now combined 26 and 4 during the month of November, regular season only, including 3 and 1 this year. What is it about Hauk's coaching style that gets his teams dialed in at the critical time? Um, and does this tie into the conversation two weeks ago about the psychology of a coaching staff and how they build a team throughout the year? Mm, that's a great It's a great question. question. He's got several great questions, and you could tell that <laughs> he's going to be working on some machine where he wants this to go along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it, it, it seems like with Bobby what it's always been is um, to to just continue to build upon what you're doing and grow. And it's like, you see this, I, we've seen this with this team this year, like defensively uh, with different sets and different looks. Now it didn't work out against the cats. Of course we know that now, but like the Weber game and some of these are, or the Eastern game is kind of these examples where the past defense was just garbage in September. And it got a little better in October and it got a lot. It, and it's it appears to be getting quite a bit better in terms of, you know, the impact of the game. And it just, seems to be this mantra that he has always had that that then his coaches have had where it's just kind of a set it, it seems it, it goes all the way back to spring ball i think where it's like set a foundation build upon it go from there open fall camp you've got your foundation in and then just work 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 and it's not like you don't it's it felt like and it felt like this with some other prior coaching staffs like you had to have the perfect product in september and then just go with the perfect thing where this, it's like, we're going to be flawed in September, we're going to be a little better in October, and we're going to try to be our best in November. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen on Saturday, but by and large, but it did like two weeks ago out, against Weber. It did two weeks ago, and the body of work. I mean, yeah. four losses in November. Yeah, yeah, 26 and four. I mean, that speaks for itself. Uh, I can't speak to the psychology side. I'm not in those meetings or <laughs> doing the strategic planning with them or whatnot. But, I mean, I'll take a stab. Yeah. I think yeah. that it's similar to, like, in a, a single game, where it's like the the goal is to be more conditioned than the other team, to wear them down, and then beat them in the fourth quarter. Kind of similar idea, right? We're we're tougher. We're more in shape. You're gonna get your shots, but we're gonna beat you. And I think he approaches the season that way too. Yeah, I always <clears throat> I always go back to I think how this is demonstrated, and I I think there's a few good examples of of this because like every strength and conditioning coach tries to make their team the fittest strongest fastest and most powerful team in the conference Mm -hmm. so i don't think like bobby's like like his goal is any different i think it's it must be how he gets from a to b to c to you know november where his teams are tough now and how he does this again i don't know I don't think you get this by reading books, like on no. leadership. I think leaders like Bobby are sort of like they have a cult of personality, and they don't even know why. It's just kind of how they are. Um, but I re- like remember last year when we lost so painfully to the Bobcats, and we call a run play, and it scores, but Bobcats call a timeout, and Bobby runs the exact same stinking play, mm-hmm. like. It's this mentality that, like, we're going to do it again. We're going to line up the same way, and we're going to bring it at them, even though they know it's coming. And it's one thing to talk like that, and Bobby talks like that. You know, he says, like, we're going to be tougher. 
But instead of running like a fly sweep on that play or a play action pass, like he backs up his language, I think, with play calling. And he puts these kids in a position where either they're tough and they succeed or they fail because they weren't tough enough. Mm -hmm. You know, you heard him say, like, was it Cam Humphrey? Like, we're not supposed to run out of bounds this year. Was that Cam? Like, yeah, well, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, like the team, but yeah, right. Like, like Cam embodied it, like run out of bounds, and he like just. But I mean, attention to detail and yeah. not accepting mistakes and repetition of doing it over and, and over repetition and over doing it over, like getting being tough and running through guys mm-hmm. and pointing out when people don't run through guys. It's not just about saying the things; it's about uh, you know being on your dudes to to demonstrate and perform that way. I think over time, collectively, that stuff pays off. As far as strength and conditioning, like, you know, actually being in better shape, who knows? Like, I don't think it just is Bobby has the best strength and conditioning coaches. I think they're phenomenal, but yeah. they're pretty good. There's everywhere. more to it than that, yep. which is the psychology part. Um, next question. Um, considering the young talent on the D-line, do you foresee the Grizz transitioning from a three-down front to a four-down front? in the coming years to maximize the position group? And if we're to stay with the base three-man, who's going to replace Sims in the pivotal zero-tech spot? Hopefully a transfer. <laughs> I, I guess what – yeah. I mean, to answer the second question first – Not knocking on the guys on roster coming back, but – I think there's all kinds of reason to be excited about our D-line. There's tons of talent. I guarantee so you they are going to be looking for a D-line transfer to – Add to that group. Just be a body. Yeah. yeah. Be you, a body. You know, I don't know. Because Bobby, you know, got this defense from UNLV. No, we got it from San Diego, San Diego, San Diego State. State. Sorry. Yeah. And maybe this is the defense he wants to run. It and could be. Uh, I would say if this is the defense he wants to run, he's probably recruiting for just enough players to run this type of defense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. But I do think good coaches – don't run defensive and offensive schemes if they don't have the personnel to run them generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say we see the more of the same thing unless we have a drastic personnel uh, makeover. Yep. I would be surprised if we, unless we have a drastic personnel makeover, if we switch next year, because if we are talking about how we just don't have the depth that it's young right now, Going from playing three down, three D linemen to four D linemen is going to exasperate that that depth concern. Well, now that yeah. being said, there are guys on the team that they could be building into a nose tackle. Maybe I mean so <laughs> like you look at this. Uh, so I got the roster up in front of me here. So you look at the D line um, identified individuals. So Vika graduates. Lorenzo Brown, six four two thirty five, redshirt freshman. You know, hasn't seen the field really at all. Alex Herbert, redshirting, probably more that played end. Joe Babros, Milton Mamula, outside guys. Braden Deming is 260 almost, 6'4", so could they put more on his frame? Yeah, probably, right? Definitely. Ryder Rice graduates. RJ Nelson, I think healthy the whole year and never really played much of a down. Um Garrison Putzel, who's redshirting, 6'4", 244. Jacob McGoran, 
is six five two three six now McGoran could be maybe one of those guys six five. I but mean, that, he that's, seems exciting on the end. But that's so. like, that's like where yeah. So Sims <clears> and then <throat> Rosling, who's been on the team, he's read, he'll be a senior next year. And then they're like our two like big guys, your cousin Eli, and then um, Alex. So Eli Alford, who's two eighty five, and Alex Governor, who's they're both listed two eighty five. I think they're a little bigger now, but that's like it. So it seems it. You kind of go down this list, and it's not like, oh, they got this like guy that's redshirting that's two seventy, that's like six five two seventy right now that they'll just put on another fifteen to twenty and like go. See, I think we see the same thing unless we get a drop down. You could be right. Uh, I was, you know, texting with one of the Grizz fan potters early, Johnny Metropolis, mm-hmm. and he pointed one out one of the fans, one of the fans, yeah. the GFP efforts. <laughs> um, you know, he looked pretty in depth at the <laughs> roster, and he's like, you know, we're only losing ten dudes. That, that contributed much time, you know, and a lot of those guys are on offense. So, or, you know, a, a proportion of them are on, are on offense. So yeah, probably more of the same. Um, <laughs> 2019 marks the 10 year anniversary of one of the most unique and memorable playoff runs in Grizz history. Undefeated number one ranked Grizz hosted South Dakota state and had that awesome comeback with Mariani. You know, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, Scored 40 unanswered points in the final 20 minutes. Kept waiting for that to happen last weekend. Um, <laughs> second round, Stephen F. Austin committed 10 turnovers, including oh. seven in the first half. 51-0 route, all amidst rumors of a team outing to Reds the night before. I'd forgotten all that's about right. everything about that game, but that's awesome. Didn't Yeah, anyway. Um, and then the semi, um, the Grizz took down the App State dynasty, who was going for their fourth title in five years with goal line stand. Looking back, what are your thoughts on that wild run and on the subsequent decade of Grizz football that followed? What does the ne- next decade hold for the Grizz? Mm. I want to answer that by saying that question, talking about that awesome run and then the subsequent decade, is why we all answer the stupid questions that we love getting from our guys on eGrizz. They're not really <laughs> stupid. About, like, would you rather trade one awesome year for 10 frustrating years? You all now know. Oh, nine, Yeah. 09 was awesome, but if 09's your trade-off for what we've had to deal with for the last decade, Ooh. that's a tough call. Yeah. Um, so that's how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> that was so much awesomeness in one playoffs. I mean, that App State game is one of my most favorite memories of Grizz football, period. Same, yeah. I mean, night game, awesome. It's snowing at the end. I mean, that was just incredible. And the amount of, like, you go back and you reflect about the amount of, like, actual, like, NFL talent that was on the on both on sides. On both sides. I mean, that was, it was, yeah, incredibly. And isn't that the highest rated non-championship FCS game so. that ESPN ever had? I think so, yeah. And, boy, and, and we, I remember thinking, like, this is awesome. It's on a Friday night. Like, people are in bars all around. Like, this is on. Like, what a game. Yep, yep. Boy, let's just play that one on a loop in the locker room. Let's just get them done. I mean, the memories, the memories from that. It was fun. so funny perspective. So, I, and I believe, I, I think maybe it was a question that was asked last week was if there was ever a defensive lineman that had had more than four interceptions. Mm-hmm. As luck would have it, because I think maybe Luke, did you text us or someone messaged this after the Grizz game? I chatted with. Tyler Hobbs, who was on the 09 team mm-hmm. and had multiple turnovers in the uh, – was it Stephen F. Austin? Yeah. Yeah, the SFA game. And so I asked him, and he said that I think he only had two 
he had one interception, but he had a fumble recovery too. And he said all four starters on the D line had an interception. And so, but no one had four. So we were kind of talking about that, but he said it was kind of funny because in that game, they would always, there'd be, there's that the first row of fans that sit above where they'd always, where the defensive guys would sit. There was like a couple old guys that would always, you know, be talking with them after the, uh, after they came off the field. And so somebody might've been George Mercer or somebody gets a pick. So they come back and some old guy is like, Hey Hobbs, when are you going to get one of those? <laughs> and Hobbs is like, watch this. And then like next series, he goes out and gets a pick. And then <laughs> so, he told me that story. After oh, that the is game. awesome. It was pretty funny. I but, bet those guys, when he came back to the bench, were just like going crazy. The old guys <laughs> yeah. in the stadium were like, Oh, we got you to get one. <laughs> that, but that, that, that nine playoffs. I mean, those that was a lot games. of fun. All three of those games. But that's why when we talked earlier in the year about it, it's like it's just exciting to be talking about the possibility of hosting playoff games that matter again. Yeah. Because there's they're potentially they're fun. so fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what does the next decade for Hold for Grizz football? I honestly have no idea, but I think it's going to be better than the last decade. I, I hope. There's, there, there's the landscape of college football that's interesting. So... We have n- we didn't sell out a home game this year. Mm-hmm. A lot of schools didn't sell the home game their home game this year. Root Sports was like, oh, we'll see if the Bobcats have a record crowd. Their record crowd is twenty one thousand. The box score says they had nineteen thousand there. So, you know, this is this is happening ever. So you have you have attendance factors uh, at football games, and and then of course the pay of college athletes and or the making money in the likeness of your image, you know, all these things like this. And where we just talked about this a little while ago, California, where it's going to be very interesting because it feels like in the next 10 years, there's probably going to be a bigger movement to actually provide like a wages to college athletes. And then in a state like ours, like Montana, where we are, not very populous, and so the tax revenue isn't as big here. Is how is that going to be impacted and reflected on campus through state budgets and things like that? I think it, the macro picture of college football in the next ten years is going to be really interesting. I like where we are with our facility, with our training center. There's talk of trying to work towards an indoor practice facility a little bit as well too. I think that's like the next big thing. Obviously, it doesn't probably seem like the stadium needs any more expansion. And then just that next step of the whole what ifs, the what if the Mountain West comes calling. Like, so the Cats finish out their end zone, and then you've got two schools in the state of Montana that average over 20,000 people per game. Would that suddenly become an intriguing Mountain West prospect? Like, we want the two Montana schools. Or, like, I think Andrew Schmidt had tweeted, like, let's get North Dakota. South Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, Idaho, Weber, and pluck, give me one or two more, and let's just all go up and like create our own, something like that. I, I think I think the next ten years it's going to be a more disparity of haves and have-nots, and in a state like Montana for the Grizz, it might have to be something where a move up to be financially viable for TV money, for revenue, stuff like that, better guarantees, fewer probably home games. 
might become a necessity. It'll be interesting. You know, playing that out, and that's not the direction I was going to go with this, you downer. Um, <laughs> playing that out, in, in, in that landscape of college football, it does make you wonder if, if that happens, if you don't see some of these schools that have football programs start. Southern Utah, Northern Colorado. That have State. no possibility of, like, yeah. ever gen- – you know what I mean? So it's like then that changes the landscape of football – all of a sudden, because less people are competing for players. Then there's also the whole factor of there's less kids playing high school football every year. Yeah. So it's like fascinating. Probably could do a whole pot on that. Montana football in itself in the next 10 years? It's tough to say because, like, you look at it on that perspective. Like, is Bobby going to be our head coach for 10 years? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that much I do know. <laughs> but I mean, but the fascinating thing is like you look at this coaching staff and it is a it is a split between guys that are probably should be building themselves up for bigger jobs somewhere else. Shan Schillinger, Justin Green, mm-hmm. um or guys that are kind of on the <laughs> I happen to be this is this is where they want to end their career. Barry like, Sachs. Barry Sachs, Kent Bear, maybe Brent Pease. It's just like, all right. We're going to ride off in the sunset. We're going to do some good stuff in Montana. Good to go. So there's that also that kind of like that what if of in between where you don't have, you know, you're looking like this, again, the Sac State coaching staff. And it's just like you've got a lot of guys like right in their prime or up and comers. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, so next question. It's clear that Dalton Steed isn't 100%. Um, while he's demonstrated the ability to beat playoff caliber teams without using his legs, how worried are you that this part of his game is hindered? I think we touched on this. Absolutely worried. Very worried. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a real serious problem. That's why, thankfully, we got a buy, and he's going to have two weeks of not a ton of practice. Hopefully, he's in a boot. Yeah. Yeah, trust me. We're better off with Dalton at 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, hot take. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're all worried about it. And I think by just listening to our breakdown of the game, yeah, we're definitely worried about it. Um, last question from Dusty before we get into the other Twitter questions. Um, it's probably too late for him to be driving around a, a combine or anything snowing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, we, Shelby got snow on September 25th, so... You know, Dusty, let us know what you need us to fill so much time with with your questions here. <laughs> um, with the early signing period less than one month away, is there a current verbal commitment that you are most excited about? Moreover, is there a position group other than the obvious answer of O line and cornerbacks you feel needs to be addressed? I will shout out the one I'm most excited about right now, just because it's it's recency bias, is the Bozeman running back yeah. that what's his name Asher Coy Asher Coy, Coy. Who rushed for Croy for rushed for 300 yards in the state title game to deliver the Bozeman Hawks um, their most recent and kind of last of that era of the Bozeman high schools before they split the two mm-hmm. state title. I mean, he dominated Butte in the second half. Dominated Butte. So I'm excited about him. Same. Yeah. Oh my god, he's exciting. I heard someone compare him to um, Dan Moore. Oh yeah, like very like north and south. He's already 220 pounds as a high schooler. Yeah, but can still like hurdle guys and spin and you know like that's a big dude. 
Coulter Nuana said on the radio his radio show today that he wears number he wears Chase Reynolds' number because he's such a big fan yeah, of Chase Reynolds, yeah. which makes me feel good about his commitment. You know, hopefully we're secure there. <laughs> um, uh, there are other verbals that are exciting. Position groups. I mean, uh, we, we need we need help at cornerback. You can't take that away from me because it's a real thing. I think we need help at safety. Um, you know, I think like well, we're gonna have Cam Humphrey next year, and we got um, another Saddleback Community College transfer. That's where Cam came from. Mm-hmm. So we got essentially Cam's heir apparent. It'll be real interesting to see because Bobby Huck has said previously that he likes to have one QB per class. Yep. And they're clearly Graves is clearly not going to be a QB. I mean, they he warmed up the receivers this week. So you're going to have Cam as a senior. You're gonna, if this JUCO kid, this commitment comes through, he's a sophomore. You've got Brown, who's a freshman. freshman. So I, he got a verbal think, from Carson Rostad from mm-hmm. Hamilton. So yeah, he's your Rostad. he's your true freshman. Yep. So I think to round that out, I won't be surprised if you somehow see another QB transfer who's a either a grad senior, so you'd have two seniors, or to fill that junior. Yeah. I think that you're gonna have another guy. Um, I think we've got needs in a couple places, and we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Twitter questions from all the crazies who <laughs> pay attention to this and give us awesome questions. Um, from producer Jerry from the Montana Mint. God, I hate that guy. Yeah, what worst, a pain. Worst. We kicked him out because he wanted us to lower our time. Um, hot take Blake has a question. Oh, good Lord. Uh, because Mint's hot take Nate is jealous of his blazing takes and that he looks better in a bro tank. That's probably true. <laughs> Without returning the opening kickoff from the end zone and the horrible PI or lack thereof calls, which we didn't even bitch about, could the Grizz have won this thing? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Nope. I mean, I'd be real curious how the game plays out if the Grizz don't fumble it right off the bat, but it just seemed like it was a cat's day. Uh, Luke Rounds. Um, are the episodes of The Mandalorian too short? They're too long for me because I don't give a fuck. Hey! Um, Bryn? The Mandalorian is fantastic. Yes, Luke? Luke. What's The Mandalorian? No, Baby Yoda, I assume. Baby Yoda. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, Luke, Luke Ron's follow-up is with Dante. Sorry I dropped the F-bomb, guys. I apologize. Swear jar. Swear jar. We're going to buy a nice bottle of whiskey and drink it uh, when we get enough money. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to make us want to swear. <laughs> we should, want to swear. We should <laughs> give it away to the fans. Uh, with Dante tying his tackle record from last year, will he get the Buck Buchanan Award or get snubbed again? Uh, my money's on he'll get snubbed again, yeah. but I feel like he's a legitimate guy. I think he's got a much better chance this year. And the Mandalorian is the right amount of time. Because it is based upon a lot of the Star Wars animated episodes are all about 30 minutes long as well. Mike, did stop. (laughs) (laughs) And so it is following a very similar and successful script that you've seen with 
Star Wars Rebels, and the Clone Wars. More like Mandaborlian. Yeah, I was going to say, we've moved on from this. Um, Chris Hammond um, from the Tubs of the Club, the Idaho fan fan, fan pod. Um, Grizz, make the final. Who is your dream matchup from the other side of the bracket? Cats. Well, Cats, because I'd love the rematch. Um, in a world where I was more confident that our O-line and D-line would stack up, I'd love to be the team that ends NDSU's streak, but... You know, if I wouldn't we compl- get there, I don't know that I want to see that. If we get there, I wouldn't be too pissed if we saw Central Connecticut State. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would much I would much rather beat the Cats. I'd much rather beat NDSU. But I would also much rather beat North Dakota too, because Oh just UND, like bye bitch. Like you left our conference. You left our conference and you also beat the Cats this year. Oh yeah. So Um go. What is the over-under of Bob Stitt becoming the new head coach in Northern Colorado? I already talked about this. I'd say 50-50. Yeah. And not saying that those are like, he may not even be interested, but it's like I'd have to think that just from the outside, knowing nothing about the their search, that's an obvious name. Does he bring Gresh with him? Why would Gresh want to go to Northern Colorado? <laughs> well, he lost his job at Texas State. Yeah, who knows? He's going somewhere. Probably Montana State. Um, question from um, our own Montana Parlay, from Montana Mid Sports. What percent of Egris people spelled wrong are you put that put that MSU <laughs> education to work there, bud? Uh, are using this narrative? Bobby's real objective is to win the national title by holding back against the Cats. Playoff teams will have trouble scouting. No, Sammy and others will be healthy. And he knew the sixth seed was better than the fifth. Cat fans are crazy. Like yeah. your insecurities with Bobby. That's crazy. We can talk about this more offline. Um, Cordy 15, 15-ster. Nice meeting one-third of the pod on Friday. Brent and Luke do better. Where were you hey, on thanks, Friday? Cordy. He just wasn't right there. I was when, around. Yeah, he was around. <laughs> um, if you were given the option to go back in time and change the results of this year's Cat Grizz, but also have to play again every other game of the season, would you? Like, so basically redo the whole season. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Like if the Grizz get a win for the brawl, then yeah, I like sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Um, Outside of the Weber game, I don't feel I like had like another a- shot at sack too. Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, my point is, if they were told at the beginning of the season that we would lose Cat Grizz, and I hate losing this game, but we would be the sixth seed and would not go to Fargo in the playoffs, I'd take it. That's also a good perspective fair. point. Very fair. Yeah, fair. Um, Tubbs at the club asks percent chance Grizz meet Cats in the final. <laughs> um. Just seems like zero because too many things have to go wrong. But in my dreams, Man. thirty-five. So you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> yep. Um, Max Harrison, who's a, a Bozeman guy who is a Grizz fan, it was great to meet him this weekend as well. Um, can they make a run in the playoffs and recover, move forward, or is it all over this year? I have my opinion, but want to hear what you guys think. Mm. They can absolutely make a run. They got two weeks off, time to regroup. I think if they were playing next week, they're mentally the hangover might be tough, but yeah. I think those seniors aren't going to want to go out like that. I think your point, though, with the Weber circling that rematch really worries me because I think Weber is a far better team than the team we saw. We caught them at a down point of injuries, and a lot of their guys will have had multiple weeks to rest up. Could be good, could be bad. Playing triple option teams is going to beat them up, but, I mean, yeah. I'd rather be on this side of the bracket than the other side. Cordy with another one. 
Loved having Ace McTacular as a guest, but when are you going to have GrizzFan24 on? His insights would be invaluable. Um, that's Josh Clicksby, GrizzFan24. He's a great Twitter follower. Um, we will have him on at some point. Actually, we should have him on in the off season to educate us on things we don't understand <laughs> about <laughs> what yeah. schemes we run. We've, we've decided that we want to do more interviews. Uh, we haven't taken any steps towards executing that plan but we really enjoyed andrew it's on the chris fan poor chris fan pod office whiteboard it is yep it is wherever that is why didn't you ask johnny metropolis's question oh because we're not there yet okay um wow (laughs) brent's got some biases here (laughs) johnny metropolis who i also got to meet this weekend also great guy he took us to the Miles City Cat Connection tailgate, which was awesome. They have a great tailgate. Awesome tailgate. If Miles you, City, you can work your way into there. Tailgate. They have got it going on in really? the tents with the bar and lots of good things. Johnny's dating a cat fan. She seems very nice. Ooh. Interestingly, this gal's sister also dating a Grizz, so that family must understand that they need some Grizz blood in there. <laughs> Just an observation. Johnny, meanwhile, why are you bringing more of this nonsense into our pod? <laughs> will Anakin Skywalker make an appearance in the upcoming Star Wars movie? And if so, will he eventually bring balance to the Force as the Chosen One? Also, is it scheme or personnel that is most to blame for the Grizz defensive struggles this past week? First of all, to your first part, my answer is whatever's going to make Disney the most freaking money is what's going to happen in Star Wars. No Anakin Skywalkers. It, you you'll see his Force Ghost, but there's like no there's no balance to the Force. Like these last three have been fun and visually entertaining and whatnot, but there's a lot of holes in it, and it just there. I doubt there'll be that Has, concise tie-in. Time's up. Has there All ever right. been balance in the Force, or is like no? Is like entropy always this factor? Balance <laughs> in the Force would cause the black hole, and everybody would go away. <laughs> um. I also, think is it canon. scheme or that's personnel canon. that is most to blame for the Grizz defense's struggles this past week? I think it's both. I think that we have depth problems on O-line and D-line. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Scheme, I think that we all are kind of in agreement that we don't understand why they didn't try some different things when the first thing wasn't working on defense. And on the personnel side, it's kind of funny because it's like, I think we've talked a lot about the evolution of this Grizzly D-line. If you could have Reggie Tillman and what's his first name? Shaw. Is it Alex? Alex Shaw. Alex Shaw back for that cat game. I think our D-line would have played a lot better in that game for mm-hmm. that matchup. I don't know if our D-line would have been better over the season, but it would have been just two big, strong, just take up a couple guys kind of dudes. So it, it was a little bit of both, but I think it's a personnel thing, and it's not like fault to Governor and these other guys, but it's just they're young dudes. But here's the thing. If we were to get the cats again – I think we adjust the scheme appropriately. Like I wouldn't be afraid to play the cats again. No, I don't. I don't. No. I think they'd film With it the and, same yeah. people because they. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Nate Little NL Grizz fan asks, "Who are the 2019 Montana Grizzlies? We've all saw the stranglehold this team could put on a team without warning. But who is this team? One and done. Middle of the road. Potential to spend a day or two in Texas in January. I would go in middle of the road. Yeah." I think if we had a healthy Dalton and a healthy Sammy Akem, I think people would be afraid to play us. Sky is not the limit. Like, I don't think we're buying rings this year, but I think we are flirting with that semifinals and being competitive all the way. I think 
Yeah. And it's it's the way the season goes, but I think we're we've started to lose a little bit of what really gave us our edge this year, and it just makes it too tough. We're like two hundred and nine degrees, right? Like we're a couple degrees away from boiling. Like, mm-hmm. but we're, we're getting. But there. we'll fucking burn you if we splash you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Swear jar. <laughs> Swear jar. We need to we need to build more depth, and they're working on it. We're getting close to hour three, so we're fine. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, people aren't listening anymore. Um, Jonathan Claxton asks, would you take the easier first game, the Cats, on the harder side of the bracket or the harder first game, Grizz, on the easier side of the bracket? Side note, the Grizz would have been the three had they won, which would have put them in essentially the same spot minus the second home game. So what he's pointing out is the the Cats are going to get the winner of Albany or Central Connecticut. So do you want But that? then they go to Sac State. But then you got to go to Sac. But or, I mean, the Grizz have to go to Weber. I mean... And Weber beats Sac. Yeah, like yeah. I think that... I think that just like we underestimated the cats before we played them, I think cat fans underestimate how good Weber is. <laughs> yeah. They haven't played him. Yeah. Um, his other part about the Grizz would have been three if they'd won. I actually think the Grizz might have been two if they'd won. The, the SRS fact, is like we're pretty close. I was yeah, surprised. The with fact that, that with a loss to the cats, we're still number three in SRS. I kind of talked about this last week. Our strength of schedule with two wins over seeded teams. To end it would have been more impressive than anything JMU had. The Grizz had it at their fingertips, and we didn't get it done, which is a whole different conversation. Yeah. JMU's yeah. most impressive win was Villanova. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I I and and um, the committee chair was interviewed on to tell Nanas this afternoon, and he said, "I can't tell you guys what our rankings of Montana were going in the last week, but we rank them each week for the last six weeks of the season." Mm. And just the way he kind of said it just made me think like. If it had been an automatic that JMU and NDSU were going to be the top two seeds, he would have just said that, and he didn't. So it just makes me think that if we were a two seed, we'd get the winner of Monmouth versus Holy Cross. Monmouth. And then UNI is probably going to beat San Diego. Then UNI has to go rematch South Dakota State. All right. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Thornburg, who's one of the two hosts of the R&R CatCast. Side note, there's a contributor to the R&R CatCast named, Cat named Shane Driscoll, who is a great guy. Met him this weekend. Um, he does some some film work, does some stuff on their message board. He was a great I, I met a lot of great cats this weekend. He was a really nice Very guy. conflicted. Great yeah. guy. Gave us koozies. Yes, gave us some koozies. We tweeted one out earlier. Um, do you think the Cats running game simply exposed the Grizz defense or is MSU just uniquely bad matchup for the Grizz? The latter. I think I think it's both, honestly. I think that they were able to exploit that we are we struggle more against a non-traditional running game versus a traditional running game, but I also think that MSU is a unique offense and it was a uniquely bad matchup. Yeah. Um Tanner Hoversland says Gavin Robertson seemed to be missing on Saturday. One player doesn't change the outcome, but his ability to support the run was missed. Was his absence a scheme decision, injury, team rule violation? FYI, like what I saw in Fouch, the future is bright. He played. He, I think we, he must have gotten hurt because have. he did not come back in, but he, he started the game. Another question from Tanner. Arundi was exposed this weekend. Does this change our recruiting needs? Do we need a big space-eating nose tackle going forward? Sims was great. We can't recruit to face one team, but – or do we switch to 4-3 with Governor and Alfred at DTs? We kind of talked about this. It'll be interesting. I mean, if they can't get a big nose tackle drop-down of some sort, maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah, and I think – I don't think this game was a game where they walked away and said, oh, my God, 
we need to go get some 300 pound kids somewhere go like mm-hmm. i think they know I, I can't imagine that it was suddenly like they just were sitting there like saturday night on the bus ride home being like oh crap we need to go do this i i, I it's, it's right not now. all about the d-line it's about it's about deep secondary too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep that's it for twitter questions guys oh man we had a lot of them this week yeah um you the the listeners must have felt the same way we did in the the need to discuss this to help ease the pain. Yeah. Ease the pain. <laughs> um well I will say that for the second year in a row doing this podcast with you guys has helped to remove some of the sting of the loss, but how about next year we win it so that we can have a podcast where we talk about how freaking awesome it was that we won the game. It'd be nice. It'd be let's, nice. Let's, let's make that the goal. <laughs> when we win, I'm bringing that bottle of whiskey and as we rehash all of our scores. We're going to do the touchdown shot again. Again. <laughs> so, touchdown shots. I tweet about touchdown shots. And, of course, we did those when we all watched Davis. So, this is probably another sign from the game. I had a new bottle of Maker's Mark. Mm. And uh, so, I went over to that, the, the people I was watching the game with. And, of course, yeah, it's like the dipped in wax or mm-hmm. whatever. you know. And so, I go to on the first touchdown, finally, right? It's like. What was it, 24-7 or 31-7 or something? And so we go to peel the wax, and it, like, friggin' breaks. And, like, we can't get the bottle open. Oh, and we had to get man. a knife and cut the wax off. And my buddy's like, oh, this is, this is like, this is what's just. This is a bad day for the day. Like, we yeah. can't even open the whiskey. Yeah. We are ble- cutting it with a knife. And I believe it was open. 24-7. And I only know that because Luke and I made uh, the TV broadcast Yeah. Um, at that point. I was a little more visible than Luke, and I'm I'm proud of my intensity. <laughs> uh, I've had a lot of people I talked to today. Who'd be like, Did you know you were on TV? It's like, yes, I was quite aware. I am quite aware. <laughs> Phone blew up. But anyway, was wearing that Montana mint hat. Gotta like it. Anything else, guys? Good to go. All right, we're gonna be here next week to recap the playoffs, week one, and to preview our first home playoff game in four seasons. Yep. What a time to be a Grizz. What a time to be alive. All right. (laughs) Have a great Thanksgiving week. I hope that this gave you three hours where you could ignore your family if you need to, or otherwise don't ignore your family because they might be good people. You do you. I don't care. (laughs) Um, If we know you, we'll see you sooner. If not, we'll see you next week. Go Grizz. Fight on. on.